this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Wherever you find us, whether it's a video or podcast on your favorite platform, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. You can also find us on major social media platforms. If you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, you can find links to the videos or MP3 files, which you can download and enjoy without commercial interruptions. If you're into classic horror, ghost, and adventure stories, I narrate Nightshade Diary, and you can find links at NightshadeDiary.com. If scary stories are your bag, and listening to encounters with cryptids, ghosts, dogmen, and other weird creatures sends a shiver up your spine, then go to SupernaturalStoryTime.com for links to our weekly podcasts. Noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird can be found at eerie.news or visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Please subscribe to my newsletter on Substack. Just go to mppelliser.com for a link. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. Everybody's doing good, I hope. I'm doing good. Everything is good. Even though I know this show is a little bit staggered, whether you see the listen to the video or see the video and the podcast, uh, we're coming up on Halloween. We're about 10 days out. And um, like I said before, I'm going to do a live stream on Halloween. And uh, I'm even considering one person was saying, oh, uh, do the 1980s nostalgia tour of, you know, because, you know, the 1980s had all those crazy movies that came out like, you know, uh, Friday the 13th, Michael Myers, you name it. That was like, yeah, they made a lot of movies after that based on that. But that was like the, um, how can I say, that was like the start of a lot of these um, characters that became like pop icons. So, yeah, I might do the live stream, something along those lines. You know, like I said, uh, there's a lot of nostalgia when it comes to Halloween. Uh, sometimes it was just as simple as going around and trick-or-treating and, you know, uh, nowadays it's just a different thing altogether but let's see what i put together so don't forget uh even if you get this after the fact you know i am going to have a recording both the podcast and the video version of that live stream so you can go back and look at it and again i want to remind you um to sign up for my uh, Substack uh news uh, newsletter because uh, again you know i'm there i announced when i was giving away the free books on amazon for the last book that i released on October 4th, The Phantoms of the Follies. And that's usually where I announce, like whether it's live stream, uh, book giveaways, new projects, uh, requests for ideas for titles, even, you know, storylines, anything. Uh, it seems to me like the um, the Substack newsletter is great. Plus, usually I also include, besides crazy little articles here and there about weird stuff, uh, I'll pull out some of the older uh, video um of like maybe five years ago that are still super interesting from great guests. But anyway, there's that. And don't forget, my chicken stuff is on TikTok. That's all I do on TikTok, just strictly chicken stuff. Just look it up as Chickenista Lady, and you will find me there, and I post all my adventures in chicken land. So anyway, guys, let's get on to the good part. The good part is who the guest is today, and this gentleman, this is his first time here on stories of the supernatural and his name is bobby l brown and him and his wife sarah reside in southeast montana uh in 2010 bob was led to serve in the field of the paranormal and begin his investigations 
He started Dweller in the Cellar Paranormal Investigation in 2013 with the focus of helping those who need it. He wrote a book, The Paranormal Hammer, Clear Answers in the Murky in the Murky Realm in this year in 2022. And this book is a culmination of years of research and experience. Help me welcome him. How are you doing today, Bob? I am excellent. Thank you for having me on your show. On the contrary, it is it's good my to pleasure. be here. <laughs> yes, it's great. I'm going to ask what I ask everybody because it's okay. like, how did you get involved with this? <laughs> because I know everybody's got a different road. You know, how do I know? Uh, it just happened. And uh, okay. I think, uh, you know, when we have a paranormal experience, I think a lot of us don't even know that it happened. Yes, I you agree. Know. Um, you know, it, and I did a little research on you too. You know, uh, I was watching your show because I thought, well, I want to see how she interviews and things like that. And so I do have some questions for you about that. Sure, but, sure. Um, but how I got into it, uh, my wife called me. I was working uh, away from home a couple of weeks at a time at that at, during that uh, time of my life. And uh, she said, well, you want to go to a haunted house when you get back? And well, shoot, I don't know. OK, you know. And uh, so we went over there and, you know, we didn't have um, voice recorders or anything like that. You know, sure. I had never even watched a paranormal show at that point, you know. Um, but we, the one of the ladies that went with us, she had a, you know, a ring on a necklace. And, and so we'd ask questions and, you know, we'd ask when we'd ask a question, you know, that ring would be going clockwise and then it would stop and go the other okay. way for a no or yes or whatever it was supposed to be. And uh, that's really what kind of piqued my interest. And so that's how from there uh, I started watching some of the paranormal shows on TV. Uh -huh. And I thought, well, you know, that is really cool. I would like to try and, you know, get pictures. You know, I want to, I want to go, because, uh, you know, I've got the elk in the background here. And yes, I, I see that. I, I, I've been hunting since I was a little kid. But, okay. you know, so ghost hunting isn't really that much different. The only thing is, you know, you're not bringing any meat home. So, but, you know, the, excite, the excitement is there. The adrenaline is there. You know, when you get that okay. capture, you have that occurrence, then, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's incredibly exhilarating, you know, and it's always a surprise. And... We see the same thing when we're hunting, uh, like when we're hunting varmints or things like that. You know, it's uh, you never know where they're coming from, when they're coming. And, you know, sometimes you've been there a while and you stand up and they've been there the whole time. And so, you know, it's uh, the similarities are so close. Don't you ever have uh, moments of no shows? Nobody shows up. It's like all, yeah, all the time. You know, it, <laughs> there's more of that than there is the other, you know, yeah. so yeah. Um, it really is pretty cool. But so that's what got me kind of put the hook in. It wasn't my first experience, but it was the the one that kind of got me down the road I am now. Prior to this, looking back, because what you said was on spot. Many times people have paranormal experiences. And in that moment, sometimes you do. Sometimes it's in your, but sometimes you rationalize it. It's not till later mm -hmm. that you realize, man, that, that wasn't right, or that wasn't normal. That was paranormal. Did you ever that have that weird. prior to that? Uh, yeah, right. That's weird. Did you ever um, have like that that experience before? I did uh, when I was little, and it's okay. in the beginning of the book. You know the uh, that experience, and um, I had uh, 
I was asleep. I was, I think I was 10 and I was asleep and I'd moved down into this room and I had never, you know, had any nightmares or anything like that. And I was wide awake. And, you know, when I woke up, I don't know why I woke up and I woke up, um, the, I called it the devil was, he was inches from my face, okay. just hovering there. And I was terrified. You know, I tried to scream that, that scream that you just, you can't get any, you can hear the air, but you can't get anything out. And I was, I just, okay. I was so scared. My parents' room was right above me. Okay. And it didn't, it didn't want my parents to, to know it was there. And it told me, it says, if you scream, I'll take your soul. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, and, uh. So I'm sitting there and um, I, I couldn't move. I just, and this thing, it, it kind of, it would kind of look, you know, down and, and drift off and then it would get right back in my face again. And it was, uh, I don't know why I thought of it, but uh, I thought, well, I got to do something. And so I couldn't scream. So I started to laugh. Okay. And, uh, this thing instantly, you, I, I know you have dogs and you've seen that look instantly. Yes. It went, you know, uh -huh. it cocked its head and, and looked at me and I just, I just kept laughing and it just kind of moved off slow. And I remember it drifted off into the, the corner of the ceiling there and I never saw it again. And you know and, what? That is, I have to admit people, th people don't think that laughter does that, but it does when it comes to the paranormal. Oh, I, I didn't know what to do. I was, I was so Let terrified. me ask you, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. You okay. said you moved into this room. What was it? You had slept somewhere else before well, and you went there or what? Well, um, my sister and I had shared a room up to that point. And okay. so I moved into this downstairs room and I loved it down there. You know, it was, it was great. Okay. Um, it was an older house, uh, but we never, you know, we never had any problem. Of course, in the seventies, you didn't know. Nothing about the paranormal. Right, but prior to this, you had never had any any experience. No. It was after you went into that room. Yeah, and that was the only time it happened. Man, so was it by any chance the basement? And the reason I ask is, God, I hear so many stories that originate <laughs> when people are in the basement. You know, I don't know. Uh, I I stayed down there for years. Um, I never okay. experienced anything else um, that was weird. Uh, while I was down there, I never heard any voices, you know, never saw any apparition, right. any shadows, no nothing. And when I talked to mom, uh, I asked her, you know, she said she got a copy of the book. And I said, well, and, and I said, well, how, what do you think? She said, well, what does your wife think of this? <laughs> and I said, well, uh, I explained that in chapter two. I said, well, how far did you get? She said, I didn't make it past the first paragraph. And <laughs> I said, wow. And thanks for your support, mom. But, um, but that was that story. And she said that it never happened to any of the other kids. Okay. And she didn't believe me. And of course, when we know what we know about the paranormal is that it separates and yes. isolates and divides. And targets. Know, yes. And so um, through that, we really, uh, you know, but like I said, I did not know that that was a paranormal experience. You know, it was just... I mean, something that happened, I but I never forgot. To sleep in that room again, I would have been like, "Hey, sis, guess what? I'm coming back up there." <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you didn't know my sister. <laughs> you know, it's actually, this is actually What's with this is a better deal. <laughs> this is a better deal. Okay, that yeah. speaks volumes. Yeah. But uh, no, it was. Uh, 
for a while it was you know you go downstairs and you know you're looking around over your shoulder oh, sure. and stuff and, but after a while i just i just forgot about it you know i didn't i didn't forget it that it happened but- but, but it, slowly, it, it never, fades. It fades yeah. the uh, that anticipation of like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, but I had a question for you. So sure. The I watched the haunted hospitals episode. Yes. Yes. Okay. And um, you were a state investigator. Yes, correct? I was. Yes. Okay. And so, did you? At this point, you must have been pretty far along to go into a crime scene by yourself to gather evidence and things. Okay. Let me explain. I worked for many years. I used to work weekends. And the reason why I did that, my, we were the only team that worked the weekends and, and we would be, we would have a rotating on call. Usually we worked to like seven or 8 PM. And if a case came in that was considered very like something along those lines of what's depicted there, a child death, Mm -hmm. It would immediate that would meet, demand an immediate response. So we had a rotating wheel. There was five or six of us on that team come and go. Mm-hmm. So every weekend we would have a two man like you go first and you go second. All right, mm-hmm. which means after hours we would have to respond to wherever it was a hospital, mm-hmm. a scene of whatever, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, okay. that's why I we would mm-hmm. end up working. Um, a lot of times those weird hours because of we were that one specific team that just did that work, which by the way was difficult because everybody else works that regular, uh, what, what do you call it? Government nine to five Monday through Friday <laughs> deal. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody's closed when you want to call somebody. <laughs> that's exactly, believe it or not, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what it was. So, uh, it was a. I don't want to say we were a specialized team, but in a way we were because we were handling, um, again, uh, something that required immediate. Usually meant a really bad case, you know. Otherwise, it would wait till the next morning till all everybody came in, and then they would just handle it on a regular basis. But something like that, yeah. It, whatever, whatever you had to like, you got a phone call and you had to go. So did you? Uh, did you have to testify in cases and things? Uh, absolutely, of course. You have to give forensic evidence. Absolutely, you do. You have to talk about, you know, in other words, when you do these people, you know, don't realize, especially like in Florida, that we have what they call the sunshine laws, which means everything is transparent with the exception of sometimes when it belong, um, has to do with a minor, you know, that they will not, you know, they'll not disclose names or stuff like that. But otherwise, there's transparency with court records and everything you put together as an investigator um, is subject, you have to testify in court. And you know, in other words, and when you're basically writing up something to turn over to the courts, you know, as far as what you find, you know, you have to be, you have to be accurate because- Yes, it affects somebody's life. Most of the, right, most of those cases, they end up, you know, being shelved, but it is, it is what it is. It's an official record yeah. of, you know, seen through the eyes of the investigator. I mean, there's a lot of hands in there as far as a case is concerned. But yeah, we're usually the ones at the beginning to look into uh, what happened. You know. So, uh, now I I know that's not your first experience paranormal wise because no. you talked about uh, when you stayed home from school that day on the X. Yes. yes. And but did that that experience get you started in this? 
You know what? I tell everybody back. I remember when I was growing up about the only one that had books on ghosts was Hans Halter. All right. And I was, I've always been a reader. I've always loved reading. And I remember that they would have like, since I was seven years old, you know, they would have, you know, in the library, you know, where people would once upon a time used to go to libraries. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I went to a library <laughs> here a few years ago. And I asked the lady where the card catalog was. She looked at me like I had three heads. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, all these little, little index cards with these little. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, I know I tell people, and you know, you'll get some stupefied looks. And it's like, okay, you don't get it. But some the people I've been around do, you yeah. know. But anyway, back then, you know, they had uh, the kids section. You know, they would have like a room where you would go. This was this huge library. And, you know, of course, they had a lot of ghost stuff and dinosaur stuff. And that's how I started reading Hans Holzer. But it was just like kid stuff. Uh, and I was always interested in it, not overall. But it's one of those things that develops almost little by little. All right. Um, because to me, it was interesting. And I guess the this, the same you know, you know, when you're young and you're a teenager, there's always the scare factor involved. Like, <laughs> until you get the real scare. Yeah. Like, And like I said, when I had that experience when I was 16, I didn't really understand what was happening. Because if not, I would have really been wigged out. But I wasn't. Later on, it's when I thought, it's like, when I put, you know, when you start putting all these episodes together, uh -huh. that you realize, whoa, 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 this is going on. Uh -huh. But it was one of those things, um, mostly how it developed was that back then, like I tell everybody, back then, it's not like you've seen these reality shows where, you know, the last thing anybody wanted was a van and a bunch of people to <laughs> fall out. And, you know, with people with cameras and, you know, your neighbors. And I tell everybody back then, you know, one of the things, um, without there being an official code of conduct, how's that? Yeah. Usually it was a friend of a friend. There was no website per se that you could say, hey, I'm going to type in there and I'm going to look for a paranormal group. It was a friend of a friend that it was like, hey, I, I, please, nobody needs to know about this. And usually by the time they called somebody in, they had gone through a list of the plumber, the electrician, the you name it. Mm -hmm. They had already done all that homework. Like I tell nowadays, yeah. somebody hears a weird noise and the family runs out and sleeps in the car. Back then... This they, they they when they finally got to the point of realizing that there was something paranormal or supernatural, they had already done all the ruled out all the possible yeah. natural explanations, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, confidentiality, contrary because now everybody wants to be famous and have a ghost, but back then, like I said, that's I'll tell you. Back then, there was always more of a chance that when you arrived, there was absolutely something going on. Yeah. Because the, they were at the rope's end. They really, truly were at the rope's end. And like I said, there was no nothing to be gained, really, per se, with being exposed well, in really, this. Yeah. It's just, look, I, I, it's like right now I'm ready to hear an alternative that's going to help me figure out why this is going on or what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it just develops like that. And then I started working for a foundation that covered the state of Florida. And I was always a freelancer. I would always, if I could, I would travel in the state. And I, a lot of times, you know, I, it was, if it wasn't South Florida, I would travel. And there was a lot of times, like I tell everybody, contrary to what you see, a lot of investigations take care, take place on weekends because this is when homeowners can receive you. Yeah. So some people that join team is like, what do you mean? I'm going to have to give up my weekends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. And sometimes nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. 
and nothing happened. So you got a lot of people that um, that faded out or, you know, at the last minute, hey, I can't make it. So I would fill in. And after a while, I got to work with people knew me and I knew them, the people that basically stayed on in this field, even when they moved to other states. You know, I've gone to other states and done other things. And uh, like I said, you just like every other thing, every other interest, people network, people that stick around after a while, everybody networks. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you call each other, what do you think? Or, hey, I need some help. Or, hey, I'm short a person. Do you think you can come and help me out? I just need somebody there to observe, to take a temperature reading. Uh, and again, you know, Bob, this was, like I tell everybody, this was long before there was so much uh, introduction of gadgets. And I t- tell everybody, believe it or not, the best instrument that a paranormal investigator can have is a human body. I've been in multiple cases where I will feel something or somebody else, by the way, this is after you attenuate your body that you will absolutely feel something. And then 30 seconds, 20 seconds later, some machine will, something will go off, Mm -hmm. but you felt it even before. Um, So, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, that's one of those things that, that develop. And like I said, in my experience, the more severe or the more, what's the word I'm looking for? Authentic. Mm-hmm. And experiences, the more desire there is for privacy from who's yeah. ever involved or having that experience. You it know, really, and, and really is. when you talk about the body, you know, in the my years of hunting, so I hunted with a bow for probably the last 17 years. And so you're really, really close, you know, and some of those animals, when they come in, they are so close and they might not know you're there, but they know something is there. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. and it, and you can see they're just, they are antsy and they, you know, they don't, because if they smell you, they're gone, you know, I mean, right. instantly. but, but they know something is near and they can't put their finger on it. And so that you can see that, you know, they'll snort and, you know, they might, uh, they'll be looking, they're always on the alert. And so, um, you know, in the paranormal, it's the same thing, you know, even in our house, which is new, we, we you know, we brought it out here, built it, but, right. uh, you know, we've had things happening. And there's been times where I know something something evil was in the room, and it's just like, okay, Lord, you know, and pretty soon it goes well, away, it's, you know, it's, once prayer starts. But. You know, you get, um, and a lot of times I've told, you know, and, and I'm going to say this, Bob, because I know a lot of times, and, you know, and I think that not all the times, but in some cases they overuse the word demonic. And I explained, mm-hmm. I've also explained, you can have a human spirit that this person, when they were alive, were, was a piece of work. They were evil. Hello, there's evil human mm-hmm. beings. Hello. And when they die, sometimes I'll have had investigators have gone into investigators and they say, well, I, I feel something dark or malevolent. And they all think something non-human. Basically come to find out really what it is, is just a dark human soul. Okay. Somebody that in life, because just because they died, how's that? Doesn't mean they instantly became good. You know, in some Whatever's holding them back, they were stuck. Maybe they're even afraid of going to hell because they realize maybe all the things they did, you know, this is what will hold them back. And I think that the longer that that person or that soul is stuck out of the presence of the divine, the more darker it becomes or the more frustrated. And that's when you get a lot of people that have gone into locations, sometimes whether they're doing an investigation or not, and they get some... They get like that, I'm, I'm ready to run out of this building kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
And I tell them, it's not all the time is it non-human. You can have a human spirit haunting someplace or stuck or whatever it's doing there. That will really give you very, very bad vibes. Very bad vibes. Absolutely. Um, sometimes people, and, and that's why, and I don't know what you think about this. I don't know if you've encountered it when you've done investigations where people sometimes want the group to come in and just tell them, yeah, there is, and try to ID the ghost for them. But it's like, no, 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 leave them here. Like they're all excited that they've actually got a, a haunting <laughs> going on. Have you run across that when you've done any investigations? Um, no, uh, really? not really. It's just been that, you know, we have questions, you know, sure. Is this happening? Is this actually happening? Am I actually seeing it? You know, I, Absolutely. I stayed in a in a shack when I worked up north there. Um, mm -hmm. We had mice. We had mice. It was that was awesome. But you know, so you'd be sitting there watching TV, and my dog Cheyenne, she would always be sitting in a recliner with me, and you'd be sitting there watching TV, and one would run out from under the stove, you know, but it would just peek out and then hit back, and so you'd be like, "Did I just right. see that?" You know, and then. And so it's the same, you know, you think you're going nuts until in the morning, you know, all the evidence is in the trap. But the, uh, sure. you know, with the paranormal, people just, they want to know that they're not crazy. Um, yes. I think that there is, uh, you know, when they get investigators in there and things that, um, that I think there's a, there can be a lot more questions than answers sometimes. Um, you know, what, why is this haunting occurring? Who is it? and these things and so i guess when when i wrote the book um you know because when we get back to that and that's why i was asking you about the evidence you know mm -hmm. if you had to, if you had to testify yes because you know that is a very serious situation for somebody sure and you know to be and you said it you have to be spot on you have to be accurate you know you we can't just be pulling things out of the woodwork of course. You know, and saying, well, that's, you know, this is what I think it is, but you can't do that. And no, you can't be really, you can't, you can't be subjective in this. I mean, up to a certain point you have to, I mean, because you're a human being, you're not a machine, mm -hmm. you understand, but you have to base it on fact. You know, if exactly. you're going to say, this is what I'm writing, I have to base it because of whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know, just, it's and just so, that, Oh, I feel this is like, okay. And why do you feel that way? Sure. And so that's what I, my question to follow all that up was to ask, how did your experience as an investigator, state investigator, transfer over to the paranormal as far as your evidence analysis and things like that? I was I was doing paranormal investigations before I ever became an investigator. And it's believe it or not, a lot of people find it. But I'm a very analytical person and I know how to come. How can I say divide one thing from the other? OK. Mm -hmm. In other words, because that's what the job demands, all right? And it's like one of those things where uh, you could be doing something, and it's not because you're looking for the paranormal and everything you do. It's just that all of a sudden it just drops on you like, what? <laughs> but you realize mm -hmm. this is not going to serve the purpose of what I'm here for, or mm -hmm. it's going to do a disservice to whatever the, the goal is. Mm -hmm. So you learn um, – you know, you learn how to differentiate between one thing and the other. In other words, keep a very, very, and, and, and I've spoken about this before, Bobby, in other shows. Uh, I've come across investigators. That's one of the things I learned early on with that you have to, I'm not even talking here what you do for a living, that you have to have a very strict boundary between your personal life and paranormal investigations. 
And sometimes I had run into investigators that they get consumed by this work. They want to mm -hmm. do it 24-7. And you can't do that. You can't do that because basically little by little, it, it starts it devours taking, you. Yeah. It does. It starts taking you over. It doesn't happen mm -hmm. like from one day to the next. Okay. So you have to keep, and I've even said in 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 with a lot of investigators I've known for years, everybody will tell you there comes a point if you're smart and you know what you're about, that you take a respite or a sabbatical. You step back altogether for a few months from doing investigations. It's like, don't call me. I don't care if the fire. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Don't, you know, like, unless you want to call wanna, me and you, you want to, right. Unless it's a quick consult, I, I, I'm not going to be available to do, do anything. Mm -hmm. All right. And you pull anybody that's doing this, done this for any length of time will tell you because if not, it, it affects you. And yes. I'm going to go there. It will draw in. Well, I don't know how to influences, negative influences into your personal life. It will bleed into your personal life. Sure. It allows it, it allows those things. And, yes. Um, you know, as I've kind of researched you and, I, you know, I've read through your story, some of the stories that you've done, uh, some of the uh, the histories like the the Kempler School. Yes. Um, and uh, with the uh, West Point and things. So, <clears throat> you know. I do. I love the fact that you have really kind of looked at the, the historical side of a lot of sure. these places and haven't, you know, said that this is what it is because this is what it, what we've seen, you know. Sure. Um, and so when I wrote the book, The Paranormal Hammer, that actually it was because I was watching uh, uh, Paranormal Caught on Camera. Yes, and I've seen that. Yes. Well, it's a good show if you watch it on mute, you know. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's great. More, but it's after, I, I, I got, I, that show, I got to take it in small doses. How's that? <laughs> yeah. I, in fact, I, it's, it's, I can't hardly do it anymore. So, yeah. but it's it, it so grieved me that, you know, people would say, the experts would say, you know, energy when, why are you saying that? What do we know about energy that you can say that? And so when I decided to do the book, of course, um, I became a believer, uh, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago. It was pretty close to the same time I, I started the investigations. Okay. And one of the things about um, following Christ is that the Bible talks about in the Old Testament, it says, you know, do not seek after those who have familiar spirits and things like that. So I had to know for sure what I was doing. And sure. Am Absolutely. I am I allowed? Because if I was not the why am I involved in the paranormal? And exactly the you know if I'm just chasing after you know evidence that is okay. not an acceptable reason for the Lord. And um. So that changed the whole perspective of things. And so I decided to look into um, what the Bible had to say really about spirits. Does it say anything about ghosts and things like that? You know, and there's one about, uh, you know, when Jesus was walking on the water and then uh, the disciple says, well, it, it, you know, it's a ghost or it's a phantasm. Well, mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't show us anything. But the rest of the Bible does. And okay. it's actually very amazing. Um, and it's not in a hidden Bible code. It's it's really just in, in the stories. And uh, 
but when I decided to do this, um, I really wrote the book as a sermon and it was horrible. Okay. There was a lot of information right. in it, but when my agent, uh, Keith Carroll read it, he's a very wise individual. Um, he was able, he said, well, bring your experiences into it. You've got to have these experiences. Okay. And so when we did that, um, it, it just, it opened up and it really opened up how, how I can relate the evidence that we see in the paranormal today with the stories in the Bible. And it's, it's absolutely, it's almost word for word. And so, um, but when we look at the evidence, you know, just like a courtroom, all the evidence has to agree. Uh, You know, it, it can't, but there's also circumstantial evidence. You know, we have to, the, the culprit, the, the perpetrator has to have the ability. He has to be available. He has to have the motive. All these right, things. Exactly. Have- you have to base it. Mm-hmm. Well, but see, this is the, the difference, though. When you're talking, when you're doing, let's say, an investigation in a material world, you have concrete. You should have concrete evidence to show something. Whereas when you're dealing with a supernatural, it's not an on-demand thing. Okay. Uh, exactly. You know, you. Exactly. Oh, that's why I tell everybody, hey, you know, uh, I know these these shows. Hey, you, cut it out. Who's that doing that? One of my crazy dogs. He said they want to scratch them, <laughs> make a hole to China. But anyway, I, I tell everybody, you know, you know, these shows they got production teams and they mm-hmm. spend days there, and that's why all the every time they go, something happens. But I said, you know, you could go to one week to do an investigation, nothing happens, you go the following week. And and when I used to work with a foundation, they would first send out a scientific team and tr- try to disprove mm-hmm. if there was anything paranormal. In other words, they wouldn't sure. go in there right away thinking it's paranormal. Mm-hmm. And only depending on what they found the first time, would they send somebody to, you know, another team. And who is that? Who is that? <laughs> uh, it's like, come here, trouble, of course. How appropriate, right? That's her name, Trouble. <laughs> then the um, Trouble. Well, then my dog uh, is named Fiona, and they just had a named a Category 4 hurricane after her. You saw it. I know. Think, so. I, I know. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When, when Andrew came through, my son was named Andrew, and he was like, my son, my name. And it's like, I should be quiet. <laughs> but anyway, the, the thing is this, that um, sometimes I've gone and – the, the scientific team will tell me, ah, you know, and then we would go in there and it'd be like, what? What would you guys didn't pick up? Sometimes things happen mm-hmm. and the timing is off for some reason. Just something sure. is not there. You just can't, you can't reproduce it. You can't go to a lab. That's you what can't I'm say, saying. hey, I'm going to have this happen. Here it is. It, it just doesn't work that way. And that's why paranormal investigations, in and of itself, I tell everybody, the only way you really ever learn is by field work. You know, you mm-hmm. can look at shows, you could read books, you could do this. That's great. I don't, but you have to do the field work and go through the boring ones and go to the ones where nothing's happening or, or go to the one that you say, okay, you have a great imagination, but how do I gently tell you that that's all there is here? Um, and then to something that, you know, whatever it is, the field work, because it's very elusive, elusive mm-hmm. uh, for a variety just, of reasons. It, just like it that elf back there. Yeah, and, and it, so, it is. Okay, I told so, people, and you okay. could have one, I tell them, it could be as simple as you have one investigator, one investigator that looks like somebody that that 
spirit new in life. One person just looks like them and it will trigger something. Not because you confront it, not because you ask questions, not because you do that, you know, that, hey, you know, I'm going to. All you need sometimes is one person that wasn't there the first time that comes in and they bear a similarity, they have a beer, something about them triggers a response that all of a sudden you get all this information. Plus, I tell everybody, whenever you have a paranormal team come in to do work, if you think that the only ones that are there or who are supposedly in there are the ones there, no. Especially being insensitive, you're going to put out an all points bulletin that any free floaters are going to try to show up because they're desperate. A lot of them are desperate to communicate. All right. And that's why sometimes people get disjointed or unusual EVPs or stuff like that. They're like, what? And it's like, is what, do you really think that the only thing that's here is what's supposed to be here? No, no, it's not. On the you know, contrary. So the, oh, sorry, the paranormal, sure. The paranormal is, it's not like we can reproduce uh, no, you can't. with boiling water. But what if we could? What if we could? Oh, boy. That would show. <laughs> now, okay. You know what? No, There's too hold many on. people making money on these paranormal shows. <laughs> I know. You All right. So I should say you shut up right now or, um, you know, put my cards on the table. And so right. in the paranormal, um, when I, the, the one investigation that I put in a book, there was, there's two of them, but one, uh, we had several things that happened. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you'll, you'll recognize these from any haunting. So right. when we went in there, we went into the, uh, hotel Alex Johnson in Rapid city, South Dakota. Okay. <clears throat> and they've got a ledger like this thick full of, uh, stories of people who've had things happen. Uh, okay. you know, we talked to a bartender up there. He said a whole slat of glasses just flew out one day at 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, the bar was closed and, okay. you know, he was, you know, but, um, anyway, so we went in there and, uh, it was my first attempt to capture evidence. And I had several, uh, full spectrum cameras and I had, uh, just the regular video camera. Um, and so when we were while we were there or as we were leaving there, my wife developed symptoms where she was just, she felt nauseous, you know, and of course that could be food. That could be, you know, just about anything. Sure. Um, but then she, at the same time, she was also, uh, emotionally up and down the ladder and you've okay. seen this too. Sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. so this lasted for about three days after we left while we were there, uh, we spent one night there, and so uh, while we were laying there, um, I woke up, and my wife, the covers were off her, and she was laying in the bed like a corpse. Her feet were together, and her hands were laid across her chest, and right before that, I had heard a human knuckle, just three taps on the headboard right next to my head, and that's what caused me to open my eyes. Okay. Okay, so... When she got up in the morning, um, she went into the bathroom and she had a little gold cross on a thin gold chain and it was protruding out from her neck straight out. The cross was against her neck. So the chain was limp, you know, it wasn't pulled out. Okay. It just, it was just stuck there like that. And then it fell and the door on the Amore, which had remained open. We had to walk by this door 
every time we come in or out of the room. And for the entire evening and morning, it hadn't moved. And we're sitting there talking on the bed, and all of a sudden, it closed. And <clears throat> during that night, um, you know, I had the REM pod sitting on a dresser, and it just, right. you know, it, it didn't do nothing until one o'clock in the morning. And then it just, you know, went all out, you know. And okay. I was so tired by that time, I just got up and shut it off because the <laughs> like, whole, right. the whole night, yeah. And so the the floor, we were on eighth floor. The ninth floor is just a maintenance floor, and there's nobody up there. And the whole night, there is thumping and dragging and banging going on, you know, like there's a construction crew up there. Isn't that is very typical? And so um, we had those things happen. And then uh, when I reviewed the film, um, you know, we had we left the, the main door open. I had the, the main video camera pointing into the room. Um, and the, the door to the hallway was open. You know, they didn't, there weren't automatic doors. So we just left it open. <clears throat> and throughout that recording, you could hear the sound of children running up and down the hallway and giggling and laughing. And then later on in the film, or on the one of the full spectrum cameras, um, this was the real shocker, is that while I was laying in bed, I had it pointed toward the bed. And you can see the shadow figure manifest from the left side right next to me so wow. <clears throat> so when we look at these things um mm -hmm. we take what can we prove we can't can we prove these things have happened i mean we have audio recording we have video recordings we have experiential evidence so what can i prove well you know can we say that it affected my wife physically or anything like that well not we we can't say that did, but we can't say that didn't. Right. So first off, we have the ability to affect humans. Let's just say that. And we've seen this in hauntings, people that whatever it is, has the ability to affect people either emotionally or physically through pushing, scratching or worse. Yes. So we have the ability to, uh, we have the ability to affect humans. Second, we have the ability to make or understand human, no human noises. And that is, when we get an intelligent response to an EVP, we know right. the sound people make when they're running down the hallway. We know the sound of children laughing. We sure. know that's not horses or dogs or cats or a squirrel on the roof. And so, um, so that's the second thing. So we've got ability to affect people. Uh, we've got uh, ability to make human noises or understand them. Then we've got the ability to affect the physical environment. And you've seen this too, where, you know, moving objects, uh, cold spots, smells, things like that. So then we've got the fourth thing is the ability to manifest from an invisible state and become right. solid. And you saw that in the haunted hospital. Yes. And so the fourth, the fifth thing is the ability to affect the electromagnetic field. Yes. So we've got these five things, and in the book I call them the big five. These five things are occur in every single haunting. And so the one thing that the big five gives us is repeatability. It gives us something to look at that happens in every haunting. So right. now you and I have discussed the sponta spontaneity of paranormal right. and hunting. That means that it's not energy. You know, we know about as much about energy as we do about marshmallows. And if I told you a ghost with a marshmallow, you'd think I was an 
idiot. I, I, so, I know exactly what you mean. So, um, but we can't give an, we can't say something is something if we don't have something to back us up, you know. Sure. And the, so when I so when I'm looking for a creature that can do the big five, you know, a physical creature that we can that we see on Earth. Um, there's no physical creature that we know of that can do those five things from an invisible state because the creator of that phenomena could not be seen in our room. You know, whether it's a knuckle right. tapping or doing the necklace or making the, you know, the footsteps or anything like that, right. we couldn't see them. So the creature that we're looking for has to be able to create the big five from an invisible state. And that's got it. But the creature to do that has to fulfill not just the, the forensic evidence that we have in the big five has to fulfill uh, motive, availability, and ability. Yes. And so when we look at the, the evidence that we have in the paranormal, it can be accounted for. And when we, when we um, it gives us that, that ability to look at something, to look at a haunting and say, okay, these five things are occurring. Right. You know, whether we've got, we've got, I've got four, I, ha I don't have the electromagnetic, you know, I, I haven't tested it. And so I've got four of them. Um, there's a pretty good chance that, okay, if you got those four, you know, and you've done all the, the looking at, uh, at, you know, shadows, lights, you know, everything like that, you know, you, you've checked your home out, have people check your home out. Sure. And that you either have a haunting or you don't. And so. So that evidence should lead us, just as in a criminal investigation, should lead us to our perpetrator. Exactly. And but. So, but what? The thing is, well, it depends because let's say let let's let's go to the. Let's go to let let's say let, let's compare like you said to an investigation, like a real investigation, mm -hmm. and a criminal investigation, whatever. Usually, there's much more to go on as far as identity, which leads to motive and motive as in your suspects okay who would benefit which by the way in crime usually the most difficult is stranger on stranger crimes because it's very difficult to figure out who did this who what motivated the person you know those sometimes are the most difficult crimes to to figure out unless you know there's some type of evidence because every everywhere you try to find like you said the motive that mm -hmm. will lead to a suspect. Sure, and so in the, so in the criminal investigation, um, they take the the backlogs and the bookcases and in, in, in all the cases, and they look at them and they sure. look for trends. They look for trends. They, um, you know, and I don't know if it's really true, like in uh, the Blind Side, you know, that they're do, doing the bodies under Tennessee Field, but you know, they they test, they check bodies for the decomposition rates in different atmospheres and in different environments. Uh, you know what they've they, they, they've had, you know. They've even had this is the thing that yeah you know that even in Gainesville they have here in the university they've tested where they've put out human bodies that people have mm -hmm. you know gone ahead and given their bodies over for science and they've put them in different circumstances to see how they decompose mm -hmm. different times of the years you know put them in a trunk put them under a tree just to see how fast and mm -hmm. what type of insects what what occurs all right. But, you know, that can be thrown off sometimes the cold weather or if that person, that body's ever been frozen, you know, to throw. Mm -hmm. 
the you know the the timing off as far as the composition i mean there's a lot of things but that that is sure. so solid as far as yeah. evidence when you're talking the supernatural usually the first thing you look at is okay unless somebody's seen something and they can describe it it's like who lived here you know who could who would be the usual suspect somebody that lived here let's start with go. that <laughs> who lived and here and that's what you i'm know. talking about okay so so if we line our usual suspects up against the evidence right okay how do they, if we just take the big five, forget the ability, the availability right. and the motive. Okay. Right. Because say we're talking about a murder, you know, or a robbery, you know, it could be somebody who just hates. But so now let's, uh, so, uh, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, no, you're looking like, like, let's say that we're trying to figure out who, who's, who's, who is it? Yeah. So All the right. usual suspects. Okay. So, um, you know, I think you and I can agree that energy is probably just as flimsy as it gets. And when we look at the big five, because they yes. can't just account for one. They got to account for all five. Right. The ability to do all five in order to fulfill the evidence. So right. let's say energy's out. Okay. What about spiritual energy? Okay. Well, remember, we can't just say something without having something to back us up. We right. have to ha provide some evidence for the explanation that we're giving. And so what do we have as far as spiritual evidence? And one of the things that um, we really see in our culture now is evolution. Okay. And so that the start, I know that there's the alien thing. You and I are on the same page about the alien. Don't worry about that. But the, uh, <clears throat> um, so if everything started and everything is physical, everything came from the physical, how did we come up with a supernatural spirit? We have to have some evidence. We have to have some proof for that in order to say, because one of the problems is, is that if we can't explain life, how in the world are we going to explain death? Well, I think that a lot of people sometimes, especially when it comes to hauntings or the paranormal, we understand is how can something incorp incorporeal, no body, no, that how we move things can move something, sure. mm -hmm. can produce a smell, can knock, like you just said. Mm -hmm can even you know brush or people that have scratch how can something that supposedly has no body how can they do that because us with bodies you know we haven't gotten there yet even though we try real hard you know with the mental telepathy thing uh -huh. but in our world the physics the way it works is we have you to do, do something you know we gotta like we gotta do it physically that's the only way we can't. You know, do we it. want to knock on the door. We can't stand and look at the door, and it's all of a sudden it'll knock. You have to go up to it and knock. So I think that that's where a lot of people have that, and that's that's. It's one of those things like what you you will figure it out when you're dead. It's like okay, that doesn't help me when I'm alive. Wrong. You, you can't wait that long. Um, right. Of course. And I think that's what we look at the paranormal is. We see it from our from. Of course. From what we see, we, we take the natural and well, it's got to be like that because because we know only people can make human sounds. Only people can understand human yes. sounds. Yes. You know, I mean, you can train a parrot to say, you know, probably want a cracker or whatever. But, you know, you can train your dog to come to its name and, you know, maybe even get them to sit once in a while, you know. But um, but we know that only people can do this or can they. And so that's what we got. We still got to find that creature. And so... But like I said, none of the evidence, none of the forensic evidence can disagree. And here's one of the problems. Okay, so like I said, you know, if we can't explain life, how can we explain death? 
is there any forensic evidence to back that up? And so here we have the millimeter. Okay. So many people, when they go into investigation, take a millimeter or a K2 or REM pod. Mm -hmm. Now the REM pod, you know, I can get it. If I put my hand around the antenna, I can get it to go off. Sure. Um, but that means I have to be in super close proximity to it. Yes. But the millimeter and a K2 don't read anything when I'm holding it. Okay. Where is the only place I can prove that the human spirit is in my body? Of course. So if my human spirit does not set off the millimeter or the K2, how can I say in a haunting that it is a human spirit? Because if, if we all get, get together and huddle around a millimeter, it still reads zero. So this creature has to possess enough power because the only thing that I can get my, my millimeter to really respond to is incredibly high power sources, you know, like right. a, a heater blower motor or something like mm -hmm. that. Right. And apparently, um, whatever the substance is that does the paranormal is a different substance than me. Of course. And, and so, so this is what I'm talking about, that the, the evidence has to agree. And there are answers. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying there aren't, there aren't answers. I do have answers. But um, and so when we consider these things, and this when I was talking about the criminal investigation, how it can differ from the paranormal investigation, I think that if we, if we disregard what we see in the paranormal, right. um, as as opposed to our electronics, our ex experiences, um, all of the the compilation of accounts. Um, you know, we talked about. Okay, so we can talk about the alien too. You have said repeatedly that you think there's an overlap, and yes. uh, in the book I had a, a list, and it was by a Dr. Carla Turner. Um, and this was in, I found it in a book by Gary Bates called uh, Alien Intrusion. Okay. And uh, Gary talked a lot about the hoaxes and things about the um, UFOs and the aliens. And I know there's a lot of people who believe in aliens. And let's face it, we've all just about all seen something. Something has to be causing it. We know right. that. You know, we're not all fools and crazy and, you know, we see things with our eyes. Why don't we believe them? And so something is causing it. But when we look at the list that Dr. Carla Turner came up with, what we see is um, almost identical uh, in the paranormal. Um, now, when we, I'm sure you're very interested to find out where all this leads. <laughs> so, no, I'm listening to you because I'm fascinated. Go ahead. Okay. I so, definitely think everything's got an overlap. It's just that that's the that's the problem. The biggest overlap is that there's so many unanswered questions. Okay. Um, well, let's see if I can find a. Let's see. Okay, here's one here. So this is out of the Bible, and I just want to. So keep in mind the big five, and I'll read this little excerpt here. Okay. Okay. And it's from Acts 12, uh, verses 6 through 10. It says, The same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, 
the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out, and followed him, and knew not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and, sec and the second ward, they came in unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out, and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. So, did you hear any of the big five in there? Well, it, well, see, this is the thing. You have to understand that from the beginning, that's identifying the assistance of an angel, right? Okay. Which, in the Bible, is already angelic help in the sense of God is known to send angels, for lack of a better word, on missions. Sure. Whether it's a messenger or even striking people down, if you want to look at the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's almost like... Um, what can I say? Like everybody knows, uh, angels have powers that humans can't. Even if you want to, do, do are angels corporeal? Are they incorporeal? Do they look corporeal, but they're not? Does that? But they still have the power to, and what you just described, rescue you from something that physically he wouldn't have been able to do by himself. Okay, so if we just look at the big five. If we look at the ability to affect a person. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that we see in there is that there was two guards chained to either side of Peter. Right. There was two guards outside, the, right outside of his cell. Yes. Did you know those guards were executed the next day? No. Oh, because it's punishment for letting him. Yes, for letting escape. Peter go. So they were not having a pajama party with Peter. It was a serious deal if you lost a prisoner. Yes. So why didn't those guards interfere? Here's the other thing. So it says the angel smote Peter on the side. Peter was about to be executed next morning. He is sleeping very soundly. So, you know, congrats to Peter. But the angel kicked him in the side to wake him up. Mm -hmm. Now that's physical contact. Sure. Okay, so we've got physical contact. It says the chains fell off. The gate opened of its own accord. A light shone in the prison. These are all affecting the physical environment. Exactly. The ability to make human sounds. He spoke to Peter. Right. Um, the only thing that we really, you know, and he appeared. Okay. He, he appeared of his own accord, of his own power. Right. The same thing we see in the paranormal. So of the big five, we've got four. The only thing we don't have is the ability to confirm the electromagnetic interference. But now let me ask you something. In a case like this, you know. And this happens also in paranormal investigations where one person is able to see, hear, sense, witness, uh, and everybody oh. else is going, huh? Right on. Oh. Okay. okay. Hey, did, hey, did you guys see that? And everybody's looking like, no. Yeah. Okay. So you want some more? Yeah, go. <laughs> okay. Go. So, all right. So uh, we've got uh, the story of Balaam and his donkey. You ever heard that one? No. Okay. That's. It is really uh, a pretty good story. Uh, so this is from Numbers in the Old Testament again. It says, And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he, Balaam, was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. 
And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field, and Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall being on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself unto the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. And the angel went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no place to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said <clears throat> unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thee hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for I would now kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am not, am not I thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever accustomed to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. <clears throat> then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. So, you know, I don't know if dogs will talk in heaven, but that is a pretty Let cool me tell story. you something. If I had <laughs> animals start talking to me, I'd be like, what? <laughs> well, it, it, it didn't even phase Balaam, you know? He's like, he yeah, that's what happens all the time. I'll beat you, yeah, you know? And it's like, your Ed or something. You know, I'd, have been, I'd have been freaked out right there, you know? So. No, that's what I'm saying, and and I know that is like what this is like run of the mill, you know. Your your animal talks to you and asks you why you hit him. It's like or hurt her, you know. Yeah. But it's like okay, right about then. But in in other words, it, and then it it the ability to see what was obviously what the animal was seeing. Okay, so we see this in the paranormal. We see animals react. To yes. Things. Children see things that we can't see. It's yes. Very selective. We also see this in the alien phenomena. Yes. You know, and uh, Dr. Carlos or Turner's list that, um, let's see, let me flip over that real quick, because she had a list of 12 things. Um, I'll just kind of run through this for you. The aliens can alter our perceptions of our surroundings. We can control what we think we see. Yes, I've heard they, of that. They can be present with us in an invisible state, or they can make themselves only partially visible. I got something for that, too. Uh, let's see. Abductees receive marks on their bodies. Uh, let's see. Female abductees often often suffer gyno. That's a big word for me. Gynecological. Uh, there you go. Problems. Uh, a surprising number of abductees suffer from serious illnesses they didn't have before their encounters. Um, let's see, abductees often suffer more than one sort of alien during the encounter. One more one sort more than one sort of alien. During an experience, not just the grays, every possible combination of a gray, reptoid, insectoid, blonde, and widow's peak. Um, abductees report being scoffed at, jeered at, threatened by their alien captors. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Um, let's see. Abductees, virgin cases, report being taken to underground facilities where they see grotesque hybrid creatures, nurseries of hybrid human fetuses, and vats of colored liquid, Filled with parts of human bodies. Uh, let's see. Also, um, aliens come into homes and temporarily remove young children, leaving their distraught parents paralyzed and helpless. Remember the guards with Peter. Um, let's see. So, how about the stories of changelings? 
changelings. Okay, so like I said, uh, can a, during an encounter they see many different kinds. And so when the angels in the, in the Bible, uh, so like when they went down to Sodom in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, so they went down to see if there would be ten righteous men, ten God-fearing men there. Well, when they went down there, the they were, looked just like men, and so the men of Sodom decided that they wanted to rape them. And, uh, of course, this led to Lot being taken out, and then uh, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, so, you know, when we one of the things that uh, in the Bible tells us, you know, be careful to entertain strangers because thereby many have under, entertained angels unawares. You know, they can look just like you or me. Sure. Um, there's a lot. So what what can an angel look like? And so one of the things that I believe um, I didn't, you know, most of my life I grew up with evolution. But uh -huh. even when I came to believe the Bible, I thought, well, you know, how do we, you know, I'm looking at the timeline of the Bible. I'm looking at dinosaurs. I'm like, how in the world does this match up? Where does this fit in? Yeah. How does, what comes first, right? You know, what's true? Okay. So, so I really studied creation, creation science, creation, um, just the, the story of creation. And uh <sighs> Help me, Marley. Oh, what is, was I talking? Is, well, no, this is the thing. Lately, you know, and, and this is what I have found that a lot of academics and theories that they've proposed, let's say for the last 100, 150 years, yeah. when it comes to discovery, archaeological discoveries or anthropological discoveries, mm -hmm. you know, they put out this version and, and then it, little by little, they've been coming up with, hey, you New know stuff. what? Those years were wrong. And it's taken a long time because a lot of these academics were full of themselves yeah. and didn't want to say, we made a mistake or we like, like Piltdown Man turned out it was a man, uh, uh, the mandible of a bamboo. You know, yeah, there was, Right. And you know, all that stuff. Same mm. thing with uh, dating, um, archaeological finds. Yeah. They, they say, oh, it's dates from this and this. <clears throat> like about <clears throat> a couple mm. of months ago, they discovered what they believe is Sodom and Gomorrah and proof that it was, dis it was destroyed uh, the equivalent. Yeah. They, in other words, they found evidence in the surrounding area that it was equivalent. I want to say not like a meteor, but like a fireball. Like, in other mm -hmm. words, it, this was because a lot of times, you know, you'll read certain things in the Bible that they'll say that was like that really didn't happen. But this, and by the way, this article wasn't it wasn't uh, described in a religious um, source. It was mm -hmm. a scientific source. Sure. Where they had found proof that Sodom and Gomorrah, that they probably what fell on them was basically like a smaller meteor or fireball. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it scorched that. They found the ruins of the city that correspond. And even the area beyond it, like it obliterated everything. All right. Mm -hmm. And now they're finally getting down. Because remember, considering, you know, all these ruins are basically you have to really go down and also a lot of the aerial pho photography now or from the um from the satellites is helping also to basically locate these uh what do you want of these ancient cities that you sometimes you just couldn't see them mm -hmm. so in other words um you could say okay 
they were obliterated by a fireball, technically speaking. But also you could argue that God was the one that sent the fireball. You see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. You know, and right. so if the Bible isn't true, Jesus is the dumbest thing that ever happened. You know, because, well, well now hear me out. Because if if the creation story isn't true, if if, if sin isn't real, right. then Jesus was a deluded lunatic. But what we know, what we read, does not give us that, not even a little bit, you know. That because I know when I met Jesus in, in the book of Matthew, the King, Lord of Lords and King of Kings, you know, and I grew up not with Jesus. Okay. And when I met him, you know, I never heard a man speak like that. I never heard a man with that saw a man with that kind of courage. And I never saw a man with his compassion. And you know, the the man, if he was a lunatic, he is the best lunatic I've ever seen, you know. But but that's that's where we got to stand because it is it's either true or it isn't. Now here's what when we get back to the paranormal, right? Okay, we have something that is causing the phenomena. The in those five things, five, those five categories, we got something causing those phenomena. Okay, it's not well, our imagination. The thing is, the thing see, if you if you go by, and like I said, unless you know, unless you know, and even then, near death experience will tell you, you know, the mm -hmm. and, and the ears that will have that. There's an in between place. You know, you don't. Your physical body obviously doesn't work anymore. Well, why do we say that? Because well, remember, we can't we can't say something unless we can. Well, it we depends. Have something okay. to tell us what? Okay, we term death in, you know, the official. Is when the body, and then I know, as a matter of fact, I was talking to somebody before. You know, it was when the brain would cease to to work. That was sure. basically the, the litmus test for that somebody was dead. Mm -hmm. All right, you know, you remember once it was the heart, <clears throat> then they said no because you know the brain. You can have brain activity, and I even heard mm -hmm. that they've even brought back people that have had zero brain activity. They've been able to resuscitate them. Mm -hmm. Okay, but okay, but I know that there's a point where you say, okay, this person, this body cannot sustain life, no matter sure. what. That's it. Sure. And that's what we consider in our reality as death. Your body can no longer sustain life, the spirit, the animus, whatever you want to call it. You know, there's going to be people like, you know, that uh, let's say the, um, the atheist, that that's it. When you die, that's it. It's over. And then, you know, you have the agnostics and then people. Let's go like this. They used to be atheists. <laughs> yeah, then they get the big, the big surprise. Yeah, <laughs> surprise, you know. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, the, the ones that think that your your you or your existence mm -hmm. is, is finite and once your body is done, that's the end of you. That's well, it. There's no okay, more consciousness. So if that's the case, you know, and I'm going to say something. Yeah, I'm not going to say it. But what no, more value are we than a bug? Of course. I mean, it all depends. Of course, of and so, course. life so, is life is life. So the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter two, and it says that the Lord said, let us make man, let him make him in, in our image after our likeness. And so when he formed man of the dust of the earth and he breathed life into him. So what is life? Is it breath? When does life start? This is the big argument with, you know, abortion and things like that. When does right, life start? Exactly. 
what is life, but we also got to understand what is death. Because if, wow. we, if the world is millions of years old, okay, now hear me out. No, but so, are you talking physical death or spiritual death? I'm if talking a, the thing. I'm talking physical death. Physical okay, death. So, physical death is when you the body, whether you're an animal, an insect, or a human being, that body is why? cannot is it's not animate anymore. Why does that happen? Is it natural? Normally causes? it's because you would either think injury, okay, or whatever okay. is needed to maintain whatever it is that that sustains life, whether it's your heart, mm -hmm. your circulation, your brain. You know, you either even either have a grievous injury or from let's say old age stuff wears out. You know, something eventually goes like your car. There's all there's always a you could take great care of it. There mm -hmm. will always come a point where it just doesn't work anymore. And I think that's the same thing. And always the debate has been, well, what happens to us, our self awareness, our spirit, mm -hmm. our soul, whatever you want to call it. Sure. And I'm asking. So I guess what I'm asking is, where are we looking for these answers? And that's. Wow. So the so that's the key. Where are we looking for the answers? Are we trying to fix a truck with a Betty Crocker recipe book? <laughs> you know, if we're looking if we're looking for the answers to life and we're looking for the answers to the paranormal, what is what is fulfilling the evidence? Okay, and that's what I'm is, talking this about. This is this is what I have found, Bob. Sure. People and and I know that, you know, the, there's a lot of mediums out there that get paid because, you know, and I understand when people are in grieving over um, a person that's died and they're mm -hmm. desperate to communicate with that person. Sure. And you'll have mediums that they'll, and this was even from years of you know, spiritualism, that they'll be able to bring back the dearly departed. I think mm -hmm. I'm based on my observations and my experiences and just my belief that once you die, this body is no longer whatever this is your moment of death just that's just the way it is a cycle of life you know mm -hmm. you realize there's a realization whether you, the moment you're in the presence of the divine that you realize you don't need that body you don't need any of the material things that you need to sustain life here because you don't have a body okay so you move on into the presence of the divine in other words you really don't really want to have that much to do with this plane anymore with the earth but how do we know that that's what i think i think that what happens is a lot of the ones that get stuck are the ones that usually are around. The ones that get stuck for, they don't realize they're dead. They might have died under anesthetic or very suddenly, or they just don't remember, or they're scared. Okay. Even if they weren't religious, all of a sudden they'll think of the heaven and, you know, they, they think that they're going to be punished. And even though they're like, like, they're still self-aware in their mind, they're thinking when you're dead, like, how could I be? This, this, like this in between place, which by the way must be a horrible place to be, is better than in, if you fear something, then going to be punished or judged, whatever it is their expectations are. Because remember, just as when we're alive, mm -hmm. right, your perception is your reality. All right. And I think that what happens is that that individual, or sometimes you will have people that get very attached to physical things. And I'm sure you know people that are alive that are more materialistic than others Oh yeah, mm -hmm. and they become entrenched and it's their thing, their house, their stuff, their whatever. And it's, they want to stay there. Like that, that part of them wants to stay there because they think they still want, especially mm -hmm. if they've been, let's say living in a house for a really long time or just, just their sure. personality, it's their personality. Or in some cases you have what I find, which is the, what motivates human beings when they're alive. Revenge. Okay. Anger, love sometimes, <clears throat> but I hate to say it, 
some of the darker feelings sometimes are the biggest anchors, to, I think, to a human soul. Okay. Or in some cases, believe it or not, is that they need to tell somebody what happened to them or acknowledgement or, uh, you know, or let's say sometimes I think things happen to certain human beings that they think either their family or loved ones that sometimes they even haven't had contact with. They want to let them know either they're okay or this is what happened to me. All right. Maybe okay. I got killed and buried in somebody's, you know, under a tree somewhere in the middle of the forest. And my family thinks that I'm alive or that I'm okay. Or just like they never get that chance. And it's almost the same thing that human beings have when they're alive. And I think sometimes along that way, a human soul can kind of get stuck, held back by a variety of reasons. Everybody's different. So, it, And then some at some point, they, you, in, I'm sure you've heard the, the story about people describing where they'll have loved ones come for them you know, to like mm -hmm. follow them. I've had theories where they say somebody, let's say that's died suddenly, unexpectedly, they were under anesthetized. Maybe they were getting an operation or maybe they were, you know, medicated, heavily medicated. They don't, they, they miss the, uh, you died part. Here comes their mom, their dad, their aunt, their cousin, their brother, whoever comes from them that's deceased. And they're like, I'm not going with you. You're dead. In other words, the, you died part. They're like looking at themselves and they're like, no, you're dead. They still, they, they haven't, they're like behind the part of acceptance, I guess, if you want to look at it, mm -hmm. of that they're so, dead. So, so we're looking at this, but we don't have any evidence for that. Oh, of course not. And that's, that's, that's why there's so many reality shows. So, so what I, and so that's why I say we, we can't say, we can't say something unless we can provide some kind of. Let me tell you something. Those shows are not built. Those built. Those shows are built just totally on exactly what you're describing, trying and, to provide sure, proof. Sure. Okay. Um, but if I have something that has proven reliable okay. and it justifies about this very subject we're talking about, okay, and it has proved reliable in everything else concerning the paranormal life archaeology, creation, and all mm -hmm. that. Right. Should I believe what I want to believe? Or should I put some stock in what this says? And so when we get back to it, you know, we're talking about where does life begin? If it's if it's from a alphabet soup, you know, then there's there's no purpose in life. There's no meaning to right. it. And it doesn't matter. Um, right. But if it is the gift of God, Okay, and then we get to the fall of man, where sin entered the world. Okay. So, and I think this is where we really kind of lose focus, because if sin is real, okay, the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Death is a judgment of sin. Everybody okay. is guilty. It's not a natural occurrence. When God created the earth, and everything, the universe, everything. Right. He said it is very good. There was no death. There was not. There was. They didn't eat animals. Every plant and herb of the field is yours to eat. He gave them one stipulation: don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay. Yeah. 
But you know how kids are, you know, whatever you tell them not to do, they're going to go do it. That's the sin nature and we won't have it. And so the Bible tells us that death is a judgment of sin. And so then we go, we can look at certain instances. Okay. Talking about, there's only two instances in the Bible where the human spirit came back. Okay. We have the transfiguration on, uh, when Jesus let was the one time that he allowed his divinity to shine through. Now at that, Moses and um, Elijah appeared, and they spoke with Jesus. And in Luke, it says that they talked about his upcoming death in Jerusalem. But it doesn't say that they spoke or communicated with Peter, James, or John in any fashion. And what didn't they do? They didn't stick around. So getting back to, you know, talking about like a visitation. For right. someone who believes in the Lord, this is entirely possible under the Lord's permission. But someone who does not, okay, that's not going to happen. Now, there's an, there was another instance where human spirit came back. And that was in, uh, I think, First Samuel 28. Um where Saul had journeyed so far from the Lord that um, he went to go see a medium. Okay. And when Saul first became king under the Lord's direction, you know, uh, because that was the law of the land of Israel to put the, all the mediums out of the land. And so he went to see, see a medium because the Philistines were coming and, you know, he wanted some advice on what to do. And right. so she says, well, why do you tempt me? Because um, everybody knows that Saul, is, you know, he'll kill the mediums. And he went, of course, he was disguised when he went there and said, you know, nothing will happen to you. So he says, she says, who do you want me to conjure up for you? And he says, conjure up Samuel. And she says, so she does her thing or whatever. And then she lets out a, a loud scream. She says, why have you deceived me? For thou art Saul. Now, Something very different happened here. You know, whatever she was used to, this was this was extremely different. He says, he says, uh, tell me what you saw. She says, I saw God ascending out of the earth. And so after that, the Samuel speaks to Saul, or, and he pronounces the judgment on Saul. You and your sons are going to be with me tomorrow. And there is a long conversation. Right. What do we see in our EVPs? Very short, one word, one phrase, communications. But okay. at the transfiguration, and at the, and when Samuel came back to talk to Saul, these are these are these are conversations. And right. So, um, the other thing is, if we look at the story of Lazarus and a rich man, okay, in Luke uh, chapter sixteen. Um, so Lazarus, he was this poor beggar and he used to just be laid at, uh, the rich man's gate, you know, hoping for some scraps or something, but never got him. So, but the rich man, he was a celebrity, you know, he would have been a religious man because, uh, we can tell because he says, father Abraham, of course, only the Jews believe father Abraham, um, in order to be a celebrity or high status, you would have had to have been a member of the synagogue and all that stuff, you know, you would. You just, if you didn't obey the Sabbath and uh, play the part, you'd been ostracized. 
And so we know that this guy, he was, um, it says that he fared very sumptuously. He had extravagant dinners. Right. And so whatever we think about their judgment, um, how they came to it, it's really not given to us. But Lazarus, it says Lazarus died and he was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died and he was buried. And next thing we see is him in torments, being Hades in torments. And of course, this is speaking of torment by flame. Uh -huh. And so as we look at this and they have the conversation, yes, he, he says, Father Abraham, send Lazarus over, you know, that he may dip his, the tip of his finger in water and touch the tip of my tongue. So evidently uh, it's pretty hot. Right. And so but Abraham says, you know, while in life you had your good things and Lazarus is evil things. And he said, besides that, there is a great gulf fixed where he cannot cross to you, nor can you cross to here. And he says, okay. so then the rich man says, well, send him back to um, my house because I have five brethren lest they end up in this place. And Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets talking about the Bible. The old, been in the old, the old Testament at that time. But he says, they have Moses and the prophets. If they do not believe them, what would make them believe the one should rise from the dead? And so one thing about um, being with the Lord is that people, it, it's home. The We're strangers in a strange land. And right. so when people go to be with the Lord, they aren't all that enthusiastic to come back here. Exactly. They're not. To this. And they're so, not. They so be. but if we don't have power over death, and we've got this sovereign God who gives life and pronounces death, as a, as a wee person that I am, what makes me think that I can escape any kind of judgment? Because the Bible's very clear that no one is going to escape either salvation or judgment, whichever they choose. Right. And so when we, then we've got the forensic evidence, you know, we've got the, the millimeter. It just doesn't support the human spirit. Now the human spirit is real. It's the soul. Jesus emphasized the value of the soul above everything else. You know, as he said, if your if your left eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you for it's better to, and, to uh, enter in, uh, be maimed than to enter into hell whole. You know, and he wasn't telling us to maim ourselves, but at any cost, not to that seek sin. And so, exactly. so the soul, Jesus emphasized the soul so much, and he died for our souls, not, you know, that we we're going to escape death. That's not what he died for. And, and throughout the New Testament, we see this, you know. Believers fall asleep all the time. All the apostles fell asleep. You know, they died. They were martyred. They were eyewitnesses to him. So, um, you know, that kind of rules out that conspiracy theory thing. But the um, the soul is so important, and it is so devastatingly important. And that's and so when we look at the paranormal, you know, if we're looking at it through the eyes of what we see, and I think that's where we really we're not taking into account. The evidence and the testimony that has shown us, because those two stories that I read about the angels, right. that's two stories. The Bible is full of them. It okay. is full of them. 
there were so many stories. My, my agent said, you need to take a lot of that stuff out. He said, you're beating a dead horse here. And so, um, well, the it, thing it, is it, this, that sure. there is so much, okay, and whether you you want to believe, maybe there is certain knowledge that while we're alive here on this earth, we shouldn't have it. We should, we shouldn't understand it. And sometimes we get glimpses mm-hmm. of it, okay, but maybe we don't have that total understanding because it would make life very difficult or unlivable living as we in our dimension. Mm-hmm. In, you understand, it would just be... Sure. It would just be like, we couldn't, we would be overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. right? Same theory, and I'm sure you've heard it, that they've said, oh, are they ever going to disclose that there's really extraterrestrials here? (laughs) And then they'll say, well, you know what, the the supposedly, ultimately, the reason they're going to give is that the majority of people couldn't handle it. Another one thing is to see it on the movie, and another thing is to have these theories. But Mm -hmm. if they ever came out and actually said, yes, officially, we're being visited by extraterrestrials. There's a bunch of people that run around like their heads were on fire mm-hmm. that they couldn't. All right. Because mm-hmm. it, and, and again, everybody's different. Everybody's makeup, emotional is different. Some people, they just, they couldn't square it in their head. My point mm-hmm. being that is not as much as we want knowledge or understanding sometimes to be able to function in the world we have right now. It is what it is. There's just certain things that maybe it's better not to have the knowledge. Okay. Sometimes you're better off, even though sometimes when we quest for knowledge, we think once I, we understand that once I know it. And then after the fact you go, Oh, that was a mistake because you can't undo it. You can't unsee it. Okay. So, so if, if somebody lied to you and I I know Uh this this has happened to you because it happens to everybody. Somebody lied to you and, after you find out, maybe not from them, mm-hmm. would, you, would you rather not have known? No, you do want to know, but it depends. Sure. But see, but, but a lie, let's say, like you said, <laughs> you found I had a lie or somebody deceived you, whatever the case might be, and you find out one way or the other immediately or long after, and then you look. But see, some of those things, it's almost the human <clears throat> condition, all right? It happens. The truth okay, is but hard. There are, some, there are some, but if you start talking because we, whether, because let's face it, it's not an understatement when they say humans, we are creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. And we all like our, our habits and our reality to be this and this and I do this, whatever it is, whatever you, your life is, whatever part of the world you're at, this is your life. And we function better. I hate to say it like that. But when you get something so disturbing, so out of what you think your reality is, and all of a sudden your edges start becoming fuzzy, Mm -hmm. okay, a lot of people will have a problem functioning, like being able to say, okay, because see, that's the thing. That's the door that opens. And then, well, if that's possible or if that's true, let's say extraterrestrials, what else is there? that I've either been told or understood didn't exist or was a fairy tale or that's just what else is out there. You know, and then their reality starts going like this. And for a lot of people, the majority of human beings, when their reality starts doing this, they're like, they, they shut down because it's, it's, <laughs> we like, we like, we like what we like as far as. Sure. Uh, 
And, uh, and, and I think that in some cases, I'm not talking extra, some knowledge, I'm not going to say there's, it's forbidden knowledge, but there's some knowledge that for some reason, it's just that we don't know. And there's a good reason that we don't know. Oh, yeah, uh, and maybe once we had that knowledge, we'd be sorry. It'd be like, man, can you please put me back in my ignorance? Thanks. <laughs> I don't want to know this anymore. I don't want to know this. You know, no, like thought, you asked. I, you know, what, what happens to us after we're dead? Maybe there's a reason. The only time we really truly know is Ooh. when we're dead. Oh, we don't want that. We don't want that. You know, you know, you know when, we look, guess, when, we, when we look at the rich man, you know, and, and the Bible is really specific about judgment. And, you know. It, it is so much better to know the truth here. Oh, no, no. Oh. I'm not saying – I'm not talking about truth or lie. You can – you. there are certain things that you might not know mm -hmm. because let's say – let's say, you know, I'm sure you've heard all these stories of people that have had near-death experiences. Yep. Yeah, I've read – come back, yeah. you know, and they have – sometimes they're different. Sometimes they're very similar or they have these, this general type of um, – of pattern, even mm -hmm. though you have outliers that they, they, they have some really totally, but, but, but eventually though, you never really have, they, in other words, they can just relate to what happened to them at that moment when maybe they, their heart stopped beating, whatever it is, whatever caused them to have that near death experience. Normally you hear people not wanting to come back. All right. Um, wanting to stay where they're at. Uh, that they, sometimes many of them do come back because they either have children or a loved one that they don't want to leave behind. Mm -hmm. All right. Which kind of, if you want to say, if you want to call it heaven, that idea of the heaven, because otherwise, why would, why, why would you want to stay there if it was a horrible place? All right. But really the, all these questions that we have, anybody that does paranormal investigations, there's a lot of unanswered questions. And I'm saying I, I, I'm all because I've done investigations. Sure. But there's some things that, especially like what I said, you can't reproduce it in the lab. You can't write a model and say, do this. And then, then when you do that, then you do this. And then this will happen. Nobody's come mm -hmm. up with that. Sometimes some things are better to remain a mystery until you're there because that's just the way it is. It's not a lie. It's just yeah. a lack of knowledge that maybe once you yeah. are dead – that you're not alive, then you get, I get it. You know, now it's, yeah, this is a good thing because it would make life living life difficult. It would, it would impair you maybe to have this type of knowledge because maybe, you know, a lot, you know, you have to think overall as far as the, the, the way we're built. I mean, whatever your religious beliefs are, whether you think, okay, heaven, hell, this is what's going to happen after I die. Uh, judgment, you know, the pearly, whatever, whatever it is that, 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 that you think, or you've been taught to expect is what happens after the, your physical death, you know, what, whatever that might be, it's something that, that it happens when you get there. And I, I do believe though, that some people, they, it, they, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy also. You get what so you expect. We've only covered half of this. Okay. So, you know, when we talked about the examples in the Bible, because, you know, and you said it about the angels, you know, mm -hmm. they're specific, they come down. And in every right. instance where the angels come down, you know, their job is very specific, you know. Yes. And they do it and they go back, you know. They don't stick around. 
Right. Well, they're, they're they're on a mission. It's like, you know, what, what's that? Uh, you know that from Mission Impossible, Mr. <laughs> Phelps. This is your. Should you choose to accept it, kind of deal? Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's the idea that you get from you know, as far as you understand the angels, even though they've been portrayed differently, you know, in the media. But you know, you always yeah. think of them as being on an assignment of some type. So we get back to our evidence, right? If we get back to our circumstantial evidence, you know, now we know that, and the Bible talks about in Revelation. Um, John talks about that he saw the vision before the throne, and there were thousands, thousands of thousands, and tens of thousands. And you know, for John, this could have been like trying to express a number to an exponent, um, right? And so, but that would have been two thirds. So that's still a lot. Now we know that there's a lot of angels. So the angels have, they have, they have shown, demonstrated the power. So they have the ability. They have demonstrated, so from John and from other parts of the Bible, we know that they have the availability. You know, okay. they're, they're present. They, you know, we know that there's spiritual interaction in our world. We know that happens. So, right. So, but where's the motive? Where's the motive for the paranormal? You tell me a holy angel wants to come down to my basement and start making, throwing boards and stuff like that, so to well, scare But the me? thing is this, just because you don't understand the motive doesn't mean there doesn't one doesn't exist. I, wait a minute now. There's, are those the only angels? Okay, so the Bible is very specific. And I know there's, I know there's a theory out there, but there is the fallen angel. Right. Jesus talks about the lake of fire made for the devil and his angels. Revelation chapter 12 tells us about the, when the, uh, the great, the dread, red, the great dragon, the serpent of old, Satan. When he fell from heaven, he drew a third of the stars of heaven with him. And the stars of heaven refer to angels. We know there was a uh, revolt in heaven. And so if we got 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, which is as many as the stars, mm -hmm. you know, if we've got that many, a third of that would be enough for plenty to go around down here. Right. Now, I know there's the theories that um, these came from the spirits of uh, the angels that had um, sex with the women before the flood. Right, right. But the Bible is very, very specific that everything with the breath of life died. Now, I know we're talking about the spirit, but that takes into account that um, God is not in charge of life or death. And that's not true because God is sovereign. And so the sovereignty of God means that he is not subject to time, time or space or anything else. Right. Um, the sovereignty of God means that he alone controls his creation. He alone is Lord of his creation. Right. And so this, uh, those angels who sinned in second Peter, uh, tells us that they were, they're in the pit reserved under chains of darkness they are not free to roam the earth but okay. when we look at job job chapter one job chapter two it says the sons of god were came before the lord and satan also came among them and then it says uh he the lord asked uh satan he says and where have you been and he says from walking up and down in the earth and walking to and fro in it so the and 
Peter also describes the devil as a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. This is a tenacious adversary, and he's very cunning. He's very deceptive. Masquerades as an angel of light. And we see this over and over again in satanic cults. Um, So when we look at this, we've got... When you say satanic cults, how's that? You drew up Okay, so so in the book I wrote about... um, Oh, my goodness. Uh, let me see if I can find it. I have it right here. But uh, there was a gentleman who is a believer now. Um, but he used to be, uh, okay, so William Schnoblin. Okay. And so in Lucifer Dethroned, remember we talked about the alien uh, list and there was the, the bats, uh, human bodies and things. Right. Okay, so here's an account. Now, William Schnoblin, he was a high-ranking member um, of the Church of Satan. Right. And so he claimed to have astral projected several times, um, but this one was different. Something happened different here. Okay. And so he says that he was uh, taken in the body, much like an alien abduction. But this is through satanic worship. And so, if you don't mind, I'll just read this short well, account. Well, let me say something. He's, in other words, he was doing a meditating or something while he was a Satanist. This happened when he was a Satanist, is what you're describing. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay, before he was saved. Right. Yep. So he okay, says, so he come into places that the throne throne room was filled with concrete and twisted steel girders, which formed an upside down cross behind the altar. Then the lights came on. The walls, which had appeared to be inward leaning smooth black stones, were starkly revealed to be clear glass holding back a transparent green fluid. Floating within the fluid were dozens, if not hundreds, of naked human bodies. They were all dead, most with expressions of exquisite terror etched in a rictus on their frozen faces. Many of them were mutilated in manners which sickened even me. For the most part, this grotesque aquarium-like display consisted of young people. All but a few seemed barely adult, and there was a poignantly large number of infants and toddlers floating among the rest. It was like they were preserved floating in a formaldehyde or some other godforsaken substance, like a butterfly collection from hell. And then he goes, um, okay, so, if, as William stared at the scene, a pillar of light burst forth onto the altar, and a huge being appeared in it. One moment he appeared to be a normal, getting back to your shapeshifter, right. be a normal but incredibly handsome man. The next he had the face of a bull, and the next the face of a beautiful woman. So next, William claims uh, to have been laid on the altar as people in priestly robes came in. He remembered hearing their bare feet slapping on a stone floor. I don't know what it is with the paranormal footsteps, but, you know. So anyway, uh, so then his tour guide that was there at the time, he said, You have tasted the illumination of our master, the light bearer, and have been found worthy to receive the light. Uh, My guide told me, do you surrender yourself to the light? So. In 2 Corinthians, in the Bible, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And so, you know, when, when we look at this, we've got Satan and his angels. Now, those fallen angels did not lose their power. They, right. God, God has limited them in what they can do. But they still possess the power 
that the holy angels have that possess the power to do the big bomb. And so what we see in the paranormal and the alien phenomena over and over and over again is the character. So now we have something with the ability, the availability, and we got something with the motor because Satan hates us. He, we are made in God's image. And the Bible is very specific um, that when Satan was created, you know, he was really, he was the highest of angels, most beautiful of angels. But then this pride, he had this pride. Uh-huh. And the pride of Satan caused him, um, caused the fall of Satan. And the pride of people causes our fault. The same thing. We don't believe. Um, Let me ask you something. When he had that experience, what did he interpret it as? He didn't know. um, So when he come back, when he he was transported back, he was he he was on the lawn, and of course we know this from aliens uh, things too. That there was was a scorched earth and the smell of uh, ozone, you know. But he told he said that there was no way that he could have gotten past his wife because she sleep so lightly um you know to get out of it now there's also instances in the bible you know paul talks about are it. you let me ask him bobby are you saying that when people are having alien abductions that's exactly what i'm saying okay that's what i thought you I'm, were going I'm, with I'm, it. but i'm saying that it's not a spaceman no 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 i know that i know what you mean yeah. I, you're, what you're saying is that what people call alien abduction as an extraterrestrials like yeah. Basically, what it is is that it's a that's it's whatever a satanic a kidnapping or whatever or uh, demonic kidnapping. Demonic. It's demonic. Is that yeah. what that's okay. exactly what I'm saying because that's where the evidence leads. Right. You know, we've we've got this thing that can do the big five. That so it, it fulfills the forensic evidence. It fulfills everything we see in the paranormal. You know, and like I said, there there's so much information in the book. Let me ask you something. Why would let's say this guy? I could understand. He was a practicing Satanist. He like mm-hmm. asked for it. Like he put himself out there. Mm-hmm. But why would let's say somebody that is not doing anything? Why would they be abducted? Let's let's well, use the word abducted sure. or whatever. Sure. Why? Okay. Why? So now I know from interviews that you've heard this too. That uh, mm-hmm. or in fact you said it that. Alien abductions are haunted in the name of Jesus Christ. And so you ask the same question I do. Okay, if it's an interstellar space traveler, what the world do they care oh, about? I've heard that. I've, I've heard that, that people will say that they've, yeah. they've been having extraterrestrial whatever. I'm not talking about a sighting like a light in the sky. No. We're talking yeah. an actual abduction scenario yeah. uh, where uh, Jesus Christ, you know, will stop it. And I agree with what you're saying. Like, okay, if this was a true extraterrestrial from another, yeah. you know, whatever planet, whatever you want to call it, dimension. Jesus, Jesus died two thousand years ago. He was a little. He was a peasant Jew. What do we care? You know, right? It'd be like, but, yeah. What? I, and I and I and I know what you're saying as far as so this, what, this shows, that shouldn't have any effect. It shows authority. It shows authority of the name of Jesus over this creature. Now. Now, in Gary Bates' book, he talked about the research of it and the findings. And there was a secular group who did the research, and they said that every people group has been subject to alien abduction, alien, uh, this alien torment, except for one, except for one. Which is? Born-again Christians. But I've heard of people that have had it 
even though later on, but they've they've had experiences. But I'm not talking about people who claim to be Christian. I'm talking about born again Christian. Not a, okay. The born again Christian um, lives every facet of their life by the word of God. You okay. know that that God they have a living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ. You know through prayer, worship, um, they take into account who God is when they make their decisions about their money, about their life, about their job, who they're going, where they're going, whether, you know, if we're going out to a place or something like that, how they dress, how it's going to affect people. All these things take into account. And in Luke chapter 10, the disciples came back and they were ecstatic because, you know, they had power. They said, even the demons are subject unto us. And Jesus says, do not rejoice that the demons are subject unto you, but that your names are written in heaven. But he also said that I give you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and nothing shall by any means harm you. And so that is that is a very strict promise by Jesus. And so, um, well, let me ask you, know, you something. If, sure. Let's say, because basically you're saying because it's not what you. Because at the end of the day, talking is free. It's not what you say. It's how you act. It's how you live. It's how you live. So in other words, now, now, if, if, if you could say, I do this, I do that. But no, the way no. you act, especially when nobody's around to see you, it, well, there's, there's that doesn't that. mean anything. Yes. It really no, means who, how do you act, whether yeah. you're, you're not looking for reward or fear of punishment. What is your conduct? Yes. And that's so, really when it counts. A lot of people they go to church on Sunday and they by Monday morning or even Sunday by the time, <laughs> right. the, by the, time the football game starts, you know, yes, they have totally forgot it, you know, and exactly. But but for somebody who has committed their life to Christ, and this is what Christ told me, you know, he's important. Not only is he important, he's the most important thing. And you know, eternity is a very long time, okay. and so really what. What we should, what we ought to do with this information, is decide for ourselves. But of we should invest in, you know, what? How can we know this is true? And how can we know something is true? And the evidence never lies. The evidence never lies. And so when we look at something as deceptive as the paranormal and the alien phenomena, we have well. got to go to the evidence. Of course, but and 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 you know you're not the first person that's told me. You know what? Everybody looks at these things as two separate things. You know, like alien yeah. UFOs, ufology. Like this is over here, and paranormal. Whether you want to, it's like two separate camps. Sure. And um, <clears throat> yes, I you and then you then there is that theory of people saying that they consider that these aliens, whether you want to call them grays or whatever. <laughs> you know, no, yeah, whatever they look, they look like, you know, like whatever they look so. like, that basically they're they're demonic. They're they're mm -hmm. not an extraterrestrial life form from another planet, as we think, that are here studying us for whatever reason. It's like, how much do they want to study us? But yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, and, it, and and I agree. But I will say, I think that wh whatever kind of person you are, if you want to look at it as a safeguard. You don't do it either for looking for reward or in fear of punishment because that doesn't count. That really doesn't count. It's what no, do you do? Love. What is your moral compass? 
Love. tell you, especially when there's nobody. You know how, you know, when you're alone and nobody's going to be there, you either pat you on the back or go, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, yeah. this is really, really, this is when it really counts. Okay. What mm-hmm. do you do? Do you do the right thing? Do well, you in, do, whatever. Do you say the right thing? Do you, to the best of your ability, you understand? But if we're just talking about morality. No, I'm not. When there's I say no, moral compass, I mean as in what feels right to you as far as right and wrong. I mean, let me tell you something. To me, I you and I'm sure you went through it. Even as children, when you do something wrong, you know when you did something wrong. Yeah, I <laughs> still like, do. You know it. You, know, you might, and it makes you feel uncomfortable because you're like, oh boy, I did that. That was wrong. You know, and then there's different types of wrong. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes it's some mm-hmm. minor stuff. And then there's, of course, there's huge things like when people commit murder and, you know, highness, that, that, that's, you know, there's a whole range. But you know, unless you're a psychopath, what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. All right. And well, I guess the difference is I'm not, you're not going to do that. Not because you really think it's wrong, but because you're afraid of punishment. There's a difference. Well, and when I'm talking about um, with the paranormal, with this, with this authority, you know, mm-hmm. that's the authority. So when you belong to Jesus, yes. you, know, you are his. His authority is on you when it comes to this. And so when we look at like exorcism, if you look at the Jewish exorcism, okay, right. have you ever studied that at all? No, not, not really. I know that it exists, and yeah. I know that, but I, I've never really seen. Well, there was uh, – so Jewish exorcism, you, it consisted of like up to 10, 12 guys, but they had to be pious men. And so they would go in and they would do a lot of screaming and they would slap the person, you know, and yell at the demon or whatever. And they would say that, you know, there would be a drop of blood come out of the fingertip or the toenail, you know, and, and they say, well, the demon come out there or whatever. But, but this was how they cast demons out. Now, when Jesus came along, you know, he did it with word, you know, be silent, come out of him. This was way different. This was, mm-hmm. this was astronomically different. And so, you know, the Pharisees, uh, the religious leaders of that time, they accused Jesus. Well, he casts out demons by the prince of demons. <laughs> Jesus is like, okay, well, you know, uh, if I cast them out by the finger of God, who, by who then do your sons cast them out? You know, Let me so, ask you something, something, Bobby. I'm going to ask you a question. If you were sure. the devil, if you were Satan, and you wanted to corrupt a human soul, cause as much suffering, anguish, you name it, everything that's antithetical to human beings, because when human beings, they, they flourish, would you really possess somebody to twirl their head around, or would you possess them and no. really get a lot of mileage out of no. by making them do heinous acts sometimes, pretending no. to be normal? Certain cultures that creates fear where they worship their deity, their false god. Yeah, but what, what, but, what I'm saying but is, in, do, you, do you think that when people, I'm going to give you an example, some of these serial killers, sure. the people that kill people, like sure. that you think, you know, the anguish, because it's besides the, the taking of that human life, the ripple effect that it has to all those around it, whether it's the, the family, the, the, even the people that investigated, the, everybody is, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a, um, dark, a negative dark. effect that keeps giving yep. way beyond the moment of that event. Do you think that something that is so, like you said, hates humans, where do you think he's going to get more mileage from that? From somebody that he can get to do stuff like that? Kill a child, kill another human being, no, kill deception. a lot of human beings, 
or somebody that, you know, like, you know, like what they do in Hollywood that they, you know, they spit out pea soup or do all that weird stuff. That's <laughs> the dressing. You know who you really get yeah. mileage out of? Somebody Personate. that you can get to do that. And and not so, only kill that person or or where you say torture or whatever. That's mm-hmm. the one. and by the way, I'm gonna say this. When you mentioned that gentleman, the, the one that's a Satanist, mm-hmm. you know what? There's a bunch of them out there that act like Satanists, but they're not stupid. They don't call themselves Satanists because they don't ever but you know, they're not gonna become the prime suspect. Well, this guy messed but up. You know, they act you, very normal, you know very uh oh. Yeah. And you, so that's what I'm talking about is you know, Satan's not a one-trick pony, but he does. His yeah. tricks are all the same. You know, we see the same three temptations that we see in the garden throughout all of all of time. And but yes. he's going to get a lot more mileage out of in this culture. I'm oh. saying one, I don't exist, and the deception, and saying that not only sure. do I not exist, but you know, if God existed. He'd show up like an angel or something. He would he would do something. Let me ask you, how many times have you heard about these serial killers when they interview the neighbors? They'll say, Oh, he was such a nice guy. Uh, Or he was or he was, you know, normal, you know, what's the usual. You know, some some of them not, but most of them take great pains of just just a little bit smart. They want to blend in. You know, they even have sometimes they marry and even have children, even if they're psychopaths, because it's like this is the window dressing I need. So you know, the psychopath has the same sickness that Satan had. It's the pride. I right. can get away with this. You know, I'm above. But they do everything. The if they're a little bit smart, they do everything. So that's suspicion, deception, of course, deception by any mm-hmm. means. So that I can keep doing whatever it is that they're doing, whatever it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it depends. There's different, there's different variables, you know, as far as intelligence. Sometimes you do have a genuine mental illness involved. There's a a lot of variables, but what I'm saying is a lot of times we think monsters look like monsters or they have monsters stamped on their forehead. Yeah, but they don't. Okay, And they, and they're not, I do, I do believe genuinely exactly like what you said, really what we have to be aware of is deception because that's the very nature. That's the nature of the beast. Mm -hmm. Okay. And sometimes it's not obvious. Okay. It's not obvious because. Uh, because that would that, that would be so easy. You know, you already would know who <laughs> yeah, to it look is. To. It would <laughs> you know, be so easy. It is. Like, oh. it, it, it is. It's it's incredibly easy. You know, because we we have we have this thing called sin, and all he does, you know, rather than rather than possess us, all he does is, you know, hey, you know, and feed that lust, you know, whatever. And it was yeah, whatever, whatever it is. Whatever the, the the emotional, mental makeup, the construct is of that person, and God knows we would never know, or would we ever want to know, what would take place in their head that would that's that feeds their soul for them to do this. Okay, sure. That's what so I'm with, saying. So it, now, it, when we talk about this with the demon and and the character, okay, mm-hmm. now we got to get to the question. Of, okay, so how do they look and act like this person? that I knew or this person that died there or something like that, you know, how, how is it that they can do that? You know, and just like the angels can look like men, you know, and one of the things that I think we we really don't take into account is that, okay, so we look at everything that we see, all the different kinds of animals and birds, you know, and just, there's so many, you know, there's 300,000 animals that we know about on the face of the earth. 
and in the in the ocean, I think it was like two hundred and eighty five thousand or something like that. And they say that's less than a tenth of what's in there, you know. And so the um, the incredible variety that we see in the stars and the trees and plants and everything else. So God, if God made that, and God made the angels. Okay. How many different types of angels did he make? That's a good question. And so, okay, and so Jesus talks about different kinds, you know, and we hear about different kinds, cherubim, different descriptions of angels, different appearances, different powers. You know, Jesus talks about, you know, uh, when the, the uh, apostles couldn't cast out this demon, and Jesus said, well, you know, they said, well, why couldn't we cast this one out? And he said, because of your unbelief, he said, but this kind uh, comes out by prayer and fasting. And then he talked about the um, uh, where a house is swept and clean, you know, and, you know, the the spirit goes out of a man, you know, and he wanders through dry places. A lot like we heard in Job, you know, wandering the earth to and fro, up and down and wanders through dry places. And he says, I will return to my house. And when he goes with him. He finds it clean and swept, and he brings with him seven more wicked than himself. And the last okay. state of that man is worse than the first. And so, you know, we, we see this in the Bible. We see a tremendous understanding of not just the power of the supernatural and, and the forensic side of it and in the circumstantial evidence side of it, but we also see the character of it. We see the, um, the explanation of the differences, of the variety, and Satan is a he's a, he's an imitator. He's he's the store brand, you know. God's the real deal, and so well, of course. And 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 I think that I think that as much as we want to understand it and understand it, I think just like there are certain things about God that our minds just can't encompass as absolutely much as yeah. we want to. <laughs> yeah. to, but it's like okay, this is that's it. This is beyond my this is yeah. beyond my pay grade, you know. It, it's, it's there's certain things that we you know in other words we understand there we do have limitations hello whatever whatever yeah, you want yeah, to call it yeah. our brains our spirit the combination there's always going to be a limit as far as as much as we want to say the there's certain things God, that yeah. we couldn't understand about creation about god about evil about mm -hmm. goodness about you know that we know it exists and but we, we don't know the exact workings of why certain things happen do mm -hmm. you understand what i'm saying like you sure. know when they say bad things happen to good people or you know or people that you say well that person didn't deserve that in other words you know the the fair thing like yeah. we realize well i think that sometimes some things are going to be beyond explanation um and i personally think that life is meant to be messy you are meant to make mistakes <laughs> and overcome yeah. them you're meant to do that. You can't. If if sure. the, if there was no obstacles, their life would be really boring. And I'm gonna I'm gonna end this because I I'm already at the two hour mark. I'm gonna say, and <laughs> okay. I don't know if you ever saw this, Bobby. This was an old Twilight Zone show. Okay. Might have, I don't know. <laughs> and it was it was the 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 episode was there's a a, a robber, a thief, and he's being chased. And he gets shot. They, they kind of like the police are after him. And the next thing he knows, he comes to and he's in like in like this area and it's really nice and all these beautiful girls. And you, um, there's a he's a very well-known actor comes up dressed in white and he says, sir, you know, whatever you want. 
and there's beautiful women, everything that he likes, the drinks, everything. And so he's thinking he's died and he's in heaven. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's all these beautiful women are always attending him. Nobody ever says no. He plays pool, never loses. You know, there's no challenge. Yeah. So he, finally he goes back up to the guy dressed in white, which you assume is either same, you know, an angel or, you know, somebody there. And he goes, hey, you know, this is uh, uh, I'm not happy here. You know, I, I, there's no challenge. There's everything is I get whatever I want. You know, he's thinking this thing about like heaven. Mm-hmm. And then the guy starts grinning, he goes, who told you it was heaven? <laughs> yeah. you know my point being yeah. that i think our nature is that we need to have our challenges to overcome them to prove to ourselves to have something that you you face temptation you say no you know in other words it's not supposed to be smooth sailing all the time nope. you're supposed to have these things that you're supposed to overcome sometimes you do sometimes you don't you make a mistake you learn from them life is supposed to be messy that is the whole purpose of it you know, and this is more basic than paranormal or anything like that. <laughs> but the, you know, it, it, some people, like I say, some, sometimes you make mistakes and they're inconsequential. And sometimes you make mistakes and they have horrible outcomes. Absolutely. That God can affect you for years and years. It's like, what, what, what do people do as an individual basis, which then we can go round and round on the free will thing. Like, how do you handle it? What, what do you do? Yeah. Okay. Or what do you try to do? But anyway, on that note, well, I'll be, I, I would like to, to. Yes, go ahead. I would like to uh, thank you for having me on your show. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to direct your listeners if they want to learn more. Yes, I was about to ask you. I want oh, okay. to put a link to your website. <laughs> but okay. for the podcast listeners, what is your website? It's www.dwellerinthecellar.com. I know. I saw that. I saw that. I was like, this, this, what a, what a website. That's the, the dweller in the cellar. I saw that. I saw that. And you, your book is already, I saw it's available on Amazon, right? Yes, it is. And what's the title of it? It's for my paranormal. It is the paranormal hammer, clear answers in the murky realm. Boy, there's a lot of murky. murky there is questions. a lot of murk. <laughs> a lot of murk. You got it. <laughs> Again, Bobby, thank are you are you gonna be working on any other book or is this just not yet? And I work for a living. I, I just wrote this. I don't know. So <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, know sometimes we don't, it's, I don't a, know. it's a work in progress. You know, you become inspired yeah. and then if you put it together before you know it, you've got a book. I wrote I wrote for like fifteen years and I threw them all away. What? You know, be, yeah, well because Why would you do that? Because they didn't honor the Lord. You know, if I if I wrote a book that says I love Jesus and I let these books out what does that do to his name? How does that, well, let me ask how thing. does that Did reflect think, on it? So, well, let me ask you thing. what you wrote. Was it truthful? No, it was, was it was fiction, but you know, I love okay. the character development and the stories and stuff, but they, oh, I understand they were now. not, but they were not, you know, books that I could, my savior died for, for these things. How can right. I then publish them and say, you know, hey, feast on this and let me, you know, rake in some dope. Okay, I, I, I so, thought yeah. you were talking about nonfiction. I was thinking maybe he has no, 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 no stories, <laughs> things, experiences he's had because sometimes experiences they're ugly, but they're experiences. Some people can learn from others. You know, hopefully that's what you want people yeah. to learn from your own experiences so they don't make the same mistakes and find themselves in a difficult predicament or or that they have and if you you can show them this is how you overcome that situation. You know, this is how it works. But again, Bobby, thank you so much. It has been wonderful. And I want to wish you the best. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Wow. Yeah. I was thinking that, I was thinking for a minute there, I was like, he threw out 15 years worth of cases. I was like, why would you do that? Because the truth is, you know, you know, unless it was like, if it's truthful, it's truthful. Like you say, you have cases. I mean, for the years I collected, I remember way back in the early 2000s, this was before the reality TV shows were taking off. I was contacted by a lot of different production companies wanting to, if I had cases that I could point them to. And it was like, I do, I've got boxes of, of cases, but I can't, I, you know, I can't give you these people's names or information or for them, for you to even contact them and ask them, Hey, can I have your permission? Because that would be a betrayal of the confidence. And by the way, we're not talking here because it was a signed paper saying, Hey, you're not going to talk about this. You know, this was, this was an understood um, agreement that you were not going to talk about what you helped them with. All right. Again, this is pre, this was in the early, early 2000s where this reality TV show thing hadn't taken off. And then everybody was desperate to have their story told. It was understood. Regardless of the outcome or what happened or what was found or not found, uh, people wanted to keep those things under wraps. Uh so they, it was like, yeah, no, yeah, I've got lots of cases, but I can't tell you about them. I can't even give you the names, the phone numbers. I can't give you anything about them. I can tell you about some of them without, with, you know, like, like, you know how they have that and the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Yeah, that I can do. But, you know, I know that what they were looking for was to go to the source, the actual person that had that experience and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, there was a time when people, um, and I want to say the, you know, the first one of the first shows that really started with that wave was Ghost Hunters with the Jason uh, Haas and I can't remember his partner's name, that they were the Roto-Rooter guys that plumbers by day, Ghost Hunters, and, you know, that they would have come pull up in these vans and they would have all these equipment and I'm thinking to myself, I remember seeing that I was like, this is great entertainment. But I want to say 80% of the cases that I had gone to, you do that. And these people would be like, what? What are you doing? Who are all these people? What? You know, you could not go in there and do that. You just couldn't. Because these people sometimes were, no, either they were really scared or the last thing they wanted was anybody, their neighbors or anybody to know there's something weird going on, you know, uh, and, and like I said, in some cases, you know, you even had people that their attempts to contact the clergy what's the and by the way and i'm not talking strictly catholic different different denominations was either poo-pooed or dismissed or and i had a couple of cases where they were kind of like like it's your fault like what did you do and you know, they would say, oh, you know, they like, oh, you're you practicing occult practices or what are you doing? And and they'd be like, no, I'm not. I'm not. And they're like, yeah, you, you can tell me, you know, like the, the this person, this religious re, was basically calling them a liar and saying, no, you you've done something. You've been practicing occult practices or something that you've brought this on yourself. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen, by the way. I know it does happen. But there were some people that they legitimately they had not done anything. They had not dealt into the occult. They weren't doing not even the Ouija. Not even, you know, but they hadn't been doing any anything like summoning spirits or, uh, and I'm not talking Ouija. I'm talking about for dark practices, occult practices. No, no, they, they were like in left field. They couldn't understand why, what was happening, why it was happening, whatever. And some 
they got that feedback where they were like, why does this person, this whoever, you know, minister, priest, whatever, not believe us when we tell them we haven't done anything? You know, we didn't bring it on ourselves. We're asking for help. Hey, you're the guy in charge of spiritual stuff. You know, you're our, you're supposed to be our Calvary. And yeah, I, I did come across that quite a few times or the most that they would get was like a blessing and it'd be like, you know, don't let, let's not, let, let's like, like, let's not overdo this. Like, don't get carried away. And you'd be surprised. I came, I did a lot of cases where people were very intelligent. I take that back. Let's take the intelligent thing out of there. It could be anybody. But and I guess what I'm saying is they were very sincere. They were, they were authentic. They were, they were worried. They didn't understand what, why was happening. Um, and they were like, they just, they had gone through the, all the normal channels of trying to explain it. And they had come up against nothing. And I want to say that by that time, and, and the fear also feeds into the phenomena. All right. The fear feeds into the phenomena. And also one of the things that, and I'm glad he brought it up, that, that sometimes people or families, depending or couples, depending, they kind of start to isolate. They, they start staying home. They don't go out. Uh, they worry. Uh, no laughter. And I tell everybody, one of the things I tell them is like, I want you to go outside. I want you to go to the park. I want you to open up the windows. I want you to open up the curtains. I want you to play happy music. I want you to laugh. I want you to look, look at comedies. No dark stuff. Give that, you know, give that a rest for a while. Put it on the back burners as far as entertainment. I want you to start watching stuff that makes you want to laugh. And they'd be like, huh? I go, yeah, do that. Okay. And it works. I'm not going to say it's a cure-all, but it, it, it does something where the mind stops telescoping on that, on that event or that anticipation of, did you hear that? You know, that kind of deal. And that in and of itself basically uh, takes back your, what's the word I'm looking for? For the, your telekinetic power, your, your fear, whatever, you know, for people that say, oh, well, that, that doesn't, I'm sure, have you ever walked into a room where somebody just had an argument, like two people? And you can say, well, I read their body language, but sometimes there's a tenseness in the air that you pick up on because that's something that we manifest outside of our bodies. You know, whatever it is, your, you know, whatever the words, the, the meaning, the intention. And it's the same thing when you're in fear, when you're anticipating bad things, when maybe you're even short on sleep and you're worried. All of this, it's like it feeds into that to make it. So when you start pulling away and you start, like I said, you start laughing, you, um, the no isolation, uh, that, that kind of breaks it, that breaks that pattern because it's, and, and that's another thing. Um, sometimes people feel like God or the universe is picking on them. Like, why me? Like, why is this happening to me? And sometimes it's good when somebody like me or when I would go usually when I'm with another person that 
I would say, you know what? I'm not going to tell you exactly, but I've, you know, I've, I've dealt with other people. I've had this experience and they look at me like, yeah. Oh my God. Really? And what happened? You know, like, and you could tell that they, they had this mentality that they were like the, I mean, yes. I mean, you could see shows and whatever, hear stories, but when somebody actually tells you, you know, there's other people who've had this experience. And it's like, oh my God. And what happened? I mean, they, they feel like that isolation, which by the way, which is why group therapy works. <laughs> you know, when you listen to other people that have gone through gone, the same situation or very similar, it, that isolation starts to drift away. You, you stop feeling like, man, the universe is picking on me. Like, man, uh, nobody loves me. <laughs> and that right there, it's a, it's a process. It's a process. And the reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up is that a lot of times in these shows, you know, whenever they've had a team go in there uh, to investigate something and there's something that's intelligent and doing whatever, a lot of people think it's like, you know, like clap thunder and it's over. Sometimes it's a process and it starts with what's up here for the people that are involved. Okay. And, and as a matter of fact, in my book, Supernatural Safety, a DIY guide, to the paranormal, I, I stayed there, you know, I, I, that's why I wrote the book that we, the people lose, they give away their power. They think that, that, that somebody, whether it's a priest or a paranormal investigator or whoever is going to come in there and take care of the whole thing because they're powerless. And that is, that's so far from the truth because in reality, the ones that have the most power is that parent, that homeowner, that, or that person, whatever is like, Hey, I want my life. I, you this is the thing and you deal with whatever it is whether there is an admission of hey i was practicing things i shouldn't have i got involved with things i shouldn't have i got involved with people i shouldn't have i yeah or whatever or i have no idea yeah sometimes believe it or not the point of origin is an attachment to an object that that's why something starts to happen when nothing had happened before. And people go like, they, they totally missed the boat. They, they Because see, this doesn't go from zero to 60 overnight. Even though you the when you look at the movies, it makes you think that. Sometimes it starts to incrementally, like days, weeks, months, to something is like, okay, this is, oh, what is this? Sometimes it happens. Not only the noises, the nightmares, the this, that, whatever, whatever it is. All right. Uh, and it's the origin when we start tracing back that we start talking about, like, let's talk about this. Like, when did this, when did you, what happened when the first time it, and people start like actually talking about it, like, oh yeah. And, um, and then, well, prior to that, and then, and then, okay. And then, okay. And you know, and then you, you ask them, well, what was going on right around that time? And most of nine times out of 10, you know, people have the Regular stressors of everyday life, you know, all this, what else, you know, and you either ask them or sometimes they themselves, you'll see, they'll light up like this, like thing, you know, light bulb goes up and they'll go, Hey, wait a minute. Wasn't that the time that we got that wheelchair for aunt Martha? Or wasn't that the time that we got that whatever at the curb or, and I hate to say this, these things are expensive, by the way. Wasn't that the time that we got that hospital bed for grandpa so that 
you know, we could sit them up in bed. And they'll look at each other like, huh? What's what's spooky about, hey, repurposing a hospital bed that, you know, we need for, let's say, somebody in the family. You know, they're thinking, man, this is great. Or sometimes they're donated. You know, you go down Craigslist, no? especially something like that, some type of medical equipment. Which, by the way, that doesn't mean you can't use stuff like that, but you need to bless them, sage them, basically cleanse them. Like, you know, like, you know, like if you ever took something that you would like disinfect it, if it was something for personal use and you knew it was used, not for spiritual purposes, but for hygienic purposes. Well, basically, you do the same thing. Sometimes if that hospital bed was, it could have, it could either be a spiritual attachment of the person that used it that this was their place and they're still attached to that bed. And basically that spirit is still there. Okay. Especially if there was, this was their end of their life or there was suffering or they were there or sometimes it's not even the actual spirit. It's the experience of what was experienced there. Sickness, illness, uh, feelings of why me, but you know what? Not everybody makes their peace with dying. Even if they're ill. A lot of people, even till the end, you know, we all like to think that we all go off into the sunset, you know, it's like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's inevitable, but that doesn't mean everybody goes there like willingly. Other people question it and, you know, especially if maybe this wasn't an older person or this person thinks, well, I had more to live. I wanted to live more and there's a resistance to death and they don't accept it. But there comes a point where it doesn't matter you know what you what you want versus what your bodies can do and sometimes that feeling or what was experienced by the person using it is still there it's still there you know and that's why sometimes you will have things that are experienced only in certain rooms the rest of the house is great something like what he was saying i went to that room and i had that one experience nothing had ever happened I was sleeping upstairs with my sister and everything was copacetic. Next thing I know, I'm having a demonic type thing staring me at me in the face. You know, that's why I asked him, was it in the basement? The reason why I ask is I'm not kidding. The most scariest stories that I've heard of people having sightings that they could be in it. I don't know, for some reason, basements, cellars, anything like that is like, that's like ground zero. Dark stuff. Dark stuff comes out there. And um, again, you know, that's why you have sometimes certain rooms. It's not the whole house. It's just that one room. That's the one. And then you ask yourself, well, what is it about the room? What happened in the room? Or is there something in that room that is the point of origin? And sometimes that's what I'm saying. Sometimes when you have people that are going through those experiences, they need, um, how can I say, like the role of a paranormal investigator should be somebody, even though you might know them, but let's say somebody that's not there to take sides one way or the other. Like, like, Hey, I want feedback from somebody that's going to help me like look at it for, because right now my perception is emotionally tinged. I'm either scared or whatever, you know? So I need somebody that's going to come in here and has no agenda in the sense of, Help me figure this out. Maybe you can see what I don't see. Or what do you know? Or what have you done before? 
And that's really what a true paranormal investigator should do. All right. This is basically help this person or persons sort it out to the point of something that they understand. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. And again, I will say it, this is not this is not the norm, but there are times when you do encounter uh something there that you realize this is not like uh I'm going to in other words you need you you need a religious person to come in here and bless this house all right and by the way and that's a, and that's another difficult uh unless they, the unless when the people contacted contact you they already and even then you got to question it or that you feel that somebody in the family is being obsessed or not in, not an out and out possession, but what's around is really trying to do a number, trying to take them over. That's a real difficult thing to broach with a family. Okay. By the way, that doesn't, again, this doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a mnemonic. It could be a dead person. It could be a dead person. That wants to take them over. They want a body. They want a human body. Hey, I, I, I want to. I don't have any any of my senses anymore. That you know what comes with a human body: taste, smell. They want that. You know, especially if I hate to say it, especially people that like addicts and stuff like that. They, they want that human body. They can't. They can't experience what they used to experience. So the next best thing is, I need to slip into that person, and that's why sometimes you have. Uh, you know that, but anyway, that's like that's a whole other show. But that sometimes is a difficult thing to broach with somebody when you say it, it, uh, it's difficult. But at the same time, they'll be the first ones to say, "Yeah, I've noticed that this person has been acting unusual or something's happened." You know that kind of deal. And again, there are some points where, as a paranormal, regular paranormal group, you need to say, "Okay, I need to get you help in here." That is not just like somebody's going to walk around with a uh with a geiger counter or with a an emf well nothing this isn't that's that's not this type of investigation anymore okay we need some you need to bring in bigger guns and even then there's stuff that people can do you know like i said not not wanting to surrender to that pulling back the fear laughter hope um things of that nature but yeah again it's uh it's that's why I'm saying uh, this thing with the paranormal investigations. It's very interesting, but I kid you not. Any investigator who's ever done this for any length of time, all of them, all of them will tell you, you got to have a boundary. And there are times when you must stop doing investigations for months, three months, six months, a year. You must stop it because if not, it bleeds over into your personal life. And that's when you hear these stories about investigators that have really difficult circumstances of attachments. All of a sudden they start experiencing things in their homes. And it's like, you've, you know, you've got to like pull back and live the live the life of the living because of not, I know this is going to sound like something out of a horror movie. The dead 
start coming to look for you all the time. Okay. And the dead sometimes are not nice just because they weren't nice people or because they're desperate. And I'm sure people have heard, you know, that thing about if you, if somebody's drowning, you got to be careful when you give them aid, because if not, they could pull you in and you drown along with them. Same thing happens with the dead. Okay. You want to help them in some cases, especially if it's something, but you got to be real careful because if you don't pull back, you got to always remember you're the living. If not, you will pull them in and they will, they will pull you in. They will, you know, that's why anybody that it's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be taking uh, a time off for a few months. But, but and the reason why I stress this again, when I say time off, I'm not talking a week, two weeks, a month, I'm talking months. You need to totally unplug yourself from that. All right. So all of a sudden it's like you're immersed in life because if not, you will get pulled in. And I've seen, I'm not going to go into details, but I've seen, I've seen bad things happen because of that. People that just, they get swallowed up by the research, by dealing with dead people, with dead souls. Well, not dead souls, dead humans with souls that, you know, that wants some type of release of help or in some cases, possession of the human body. It's a complicated kind of subject. But anyway, guys, I hope you like the show. I really enjoyed talking to Bobby. Um, you know, not the first time I've heard of that crossover between, you know, our alien abductions in in reality, not extraterrestrials as what we think of as an extraterrestrials versus are they demonic in origin? I've heard of that theory before and I'm not ready to discount it either one way or the other. Some of the things that you hear that supposedly some of these extraterrestrials do, you know, if we go by mutilations and everything you look at it and you're like, man, that's pretty bad. I mean, even if I like, if you are an advanced civilization species, whatever you are, why would you need to do that? I mean, how many cows do you need to mutilate? How many, what, what, what's the purpose? And then why would you need to mutilate? If you're such an advanced, um, species civilization i don't know what to call them that you can travel interstellar or interdimensionally you would think you know you know how they used to have a star trek where the guy would just go you know and they could just you know they could look at you without you know like like why can't they do that why are they having to pull things apart animals Ah, something there just doesn't mm -mm. nope Something doesn't add up for me for that. So, but we'll see. Let's see what happens. I mean, we might never get an answer, but such is life. Again, guys, thank you for the time that you come and spend with me every week and come back. I have a lot of great guests in the wings. Till the next time, take care.